You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. Episode, what episode are we on? Are we on 69? 68. Oh, almost. almost. 69. You almost made it, buddy. 69 is like when you're like trying to do 69 with someone, but they're like just like way taller, like disproportionately taller or disproportionately shorter than you, and you can't both reach each so other's you just genitals get belly at the same time. Yeah, so you just get belly button. Mm. You know what I mean? That's a 68. It's like almost there. That belly button love. Welcome to the motherfucking podcast episode 68. This is, of course, the official podcast of the international power rock combo, motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Logan. Still. My name is Gordo. And we got Gordo here. And uh, and and Logan, I'm glad that, that we got you today, man. Yeah, yeah. I, cool. I skipped a couple and I missed it. And considering who's in the room right now, I was like, I got to be there for that. Yeah, well, and I mean, we it's summertime and we kind of slowed down to every other episode. And of course, as we'll talk about later in the episode, there's been extenuating circumstances between the behind the recent skip. Um, and our guest today is... Man, someone that Logan and I have known a very, very long time. He's a good friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may know him as the bass player of the Potato Pirates. You may also know him if you're not in the the Irish punk rock party time band scene. You might have actually had T-shirts made by him at oh, his. Shit, um, sorry. Well, that's okay. <laughs> at his at his uh, at his screen printing company, Blackout Screen Printing. Please welcome to the show um, one of one of our favorite human beings, Mr. Andrew Williams. Yay. Hello. No, you are one of our favorite human no, beings. No, I would concur. And, and I enjoy seeing you guys. I don't see you enough, but I enjoy I enjoy you and I enjoy your of, antics and company. You're one of your favorite human beings also. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's No. <laughs> that's a complicated subject. Okay. <laughs> If, to be honest, I'm not a lot of people's favorite person. In fact, I'm the opposite of a lot of people's mm-hmm. favorite person. I'm pretty far down on the list. Pretty close sure. to the bottom of a lot of people's list. Uh, no, and, and I mean, it, it worked out really well, I think, that you're here for this episode. Because um, you and I have, like, any time I'm calling to talk business, we always end up on the phone for at least 20 minutes. Yeah, it's about 5% business. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, hey, I need this. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And the rest is just like life, life, philosophy. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm into it. Yeah, I, I like, I like people that are smart and still use their brain. I'm not saying there's a lot of people that don't use their brains anymore because I'm not calling people out. But there are you a can lot call of pe- people out. Nobody there are listens of, to this show. There are, yeah, a lot yeah. of, there are a lot of people that don't use their brains anymore, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate. Like they have them, them, but they don't use them. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And that's hard. Like they have the cognitive capacity, but they they've got this almost like learned helplessness going on. Like, well, absolutely. They they feel like it's it's uncool or 
or somehow a sign of, of, of weakness to use to use one's brain. No, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and sometimes people just, they, they don't, they're not paying attention to their surroundings or the people around them. Right. You know. Now, we should say clarify to give context that Andrew experienced some traffic problems on his way in here. Oh, yeah. So he is just like, if you have been caught in traffic before coming on the show, you are going to have a skewed view on humanity. Well, and I've, <laughs> I'm pretty well coped with the traffic. I'm just saying in an overall sense, like, some people just don't. They're all for them. They're them first, and they don't think about anybody around them. Any scenario. Well, where do you think that that comes from? I think it becomes from. Fuck! I think it comes from a lot of things. I, I think. I, I think, think a big comes part from, of it comes from. We used to be like our our our, our parents' generation or or our parents' parents' generation. They had like etiquette class, and right. and they had. You know, they were just trained differently. You know, there were more, but there were more social rules that you didn't want to break. Like right. in the fifties, if you dyed your hair green, holy shit, you'd never. That'd be that'd been the end of it. And so there that'd was this. The there was it. this necessary pushback against yes. that in like the sixties, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, this necessary pushback where it's kind of like, especially in, in in the United States and in the West, it's like things kind of tip left and right in this pendulum sort of way, and it kind of like yes, it's almost like an an airplane correcting itself or like a tightrope walker you know it's like, like driving in the snow be, yeah yeah it's full like blown. <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> like full-blown bro- driving in the snow like you're just making small corrections right yeah. and on a large enough on a large enough timeline that i think is what like western civilization looks like to a degree is it's this constant like shifting back and forth the left and right so there was this necessary like blowback designed to bring down the old models of doing things yeah but then the children of 60s revolutionaries and hippies and things like that like came up in this overly uh permissive me generation yeah you know that became very very fo- it became it became uh you know that's like where the cult of personality idea comes from it's like or like n- nowadays personal branding yeah. Like there's like classes yeah. you can take on personal branding, like making yourself into a personal brand. It's one of the yeah. reasons that I pulled away. It's gross. It, it is gross. Yeah, Let's yeah. try it. Well, dude, and that's the exact. <laughs> that's the exact we do adjective. Like Chuck e. Cheese or something. Yeah. That's the exact <laughs> adjective. The like everybody is. Yeah, dude. Like Chuck E. Cheese. Everybody is walking around just like a mascot version of themselves. Yeah. You know, with yeah. a big plush head, and uh, like I, I had a. Um, so I, uh, you know, I'm I'm trained as a coach. Like I'm trained as a like a, a yeah. life coach. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean. And one of the reasons I kind of pulled away from advertising it is I got so grossed out by the talking heads on Instagram and YouTube, and like like the big world of like personal branded coaches and consultants and mm-hmm. and and different type of personalities that are out there. I just. Over time, I just the market just got flooded by so many people doing that, and I kind of got grossed out by it, and so sort of pulled away from from that yeah. world a little bit. Yeah. Be- being grossed out is, is really on brand for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, on brand. Ooh, Aaron's grossed out. That's very dude. That's I, I thought you were saying you were grossed out by the band, the Talking Heads, and I was like, wow, man, dude, the Talking Heads are great. They're pretty cool. I actually yeah. I love David Byrne. Um, That's what I thought you were talking about at first. I was like, damn, no, is there something I, I don't know about them? Are his, they just making all these YouTube videos pissing <laughs> people off and shit? <laughs> no, like literal talking heads. Like like where the term talking head came from. 
Right. Yeah, I got uh, it. And I, uh, you know, the you last ever, horse cro- crossed the finish line. I but. should let you borrow his book, by the way. Um, uh, David Byrne's book. Yeah. Um, the how music m- one. How Music Works. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it is such a good book. It reads like a textbook. Like he's. <laughs> but it reads. <laughs> Those were awful. No, no, yes, no. They were. <laughs> it, it, reads like, it reads like a textbook with information you actually want to read. Oh, good. Like, I like yeah. that. Like, like he has this chapter that is all just called. Uh, how to make a scene, and it's all about the factors that went into what made CBGB so successful oh, and yeah, iconic. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he talks about the different elements that made that up. So if you wanted to make a scene in your hometown, yeah. you could follow those instructions yeah, and do yeah. it. And he's he's a very smart man, very you know, very intelligent, very well read, very like well experienced human being. It's it's worth a read. Hmm. He's definitely a nerd. Definitely a nerd. Way nerdy. Yeah. Um, you know, he, I think he even references, like, Oliver Sacks in it. Um, do you know who Oliver Sacks is? No, I don't. You ever seen the movie Awakenings with uh, Robert De Niro and, um, sure and uh, Robin Williams? Wow. No. Deep I, cut. I, I'm yeah, pretty, I know what you're No, it's about. not you know necessarily yeah. deep cut. I just, I don't do movies very much. <laughs> I don't do movies. I have my own, well, like. I don't I do my movies. Own. I don't do books. I don't do your podcast. No, I think I, I just get stuck in my way, so, like. Uh, UHF. That's a great. Go. That's a great. Yeah. Now are you talking now about the movie UHF? Or yeah, are you yeah, talking yeah. about the channels yeah. on UHF? Spatula City. Spatula City. Like, do you have a TV We've that's got, got that bottom dial on it that you're no. like, I only want to watch Channel 20 and Channel 31. That's no. all I want to watch. No, the Weird Al joint. Yeah, the Weird Al joint. A w- it's a UHF. Classic. It's a classic. A Weird Al Yankovic joint. Hey, there's a big truck. Oh uh, yeah. yeah Can you hear truck. it? Listeners. So, listeners, uh, the AC still doesn't work in here, so you may hear trucks pull in and out occasionally. Um, try to ignore it; they'll go away. Or we're just—they're more just scared of you than you are of them. <laughs> we're just doing foley work for the next feature that, yeah. we're, that, that we're shooting. <laughs> we just want to let our listeners know that um, we mean business, and we're going to keep on trucking and get your motors running wow. yeah. with uh, diesel. Jokes that that's were a little sample because of a Large truck. Marge told you so. <laughs> so one thing you'll notice is we bring up a lot of con- uh, like conversation topics on this show okay. and, and never finish and them out. Never. That's okay. To, like remember Awakenings? We're never going to talk oh! about that again. Awakenings. No, no, it's over. It's a, Don't no. even talk about it. So in David Byrne's book, he does reference Oliver Sacks, and Oliver Sacks was the. The basis of the the book. Well, he wrote the book Awakenings, and then they made a movie about it. But he was this um, neuroscientist, I think. He was a researcher of some sort, and he researched different phenomenology in the brain. And he did a lot of stuff about the phenomenon, uh, the phenomenology of music's effect on the brain. Oh, absolutely! Like so, he's you know he wrote a lot of books about how music affects your brain. We have talked about this, you and I. I yeah, I think we have. You're absolutely right. It does. It really does. So, um, so before before we get into the heavy stuff, and by the way, I do appreciate, man, that you came on the show for realistically what's going to be a very heavy heavy episode. Oh, absolutely. And I think it was the stars aligned the way they were supposed to because, I mean, shit, we've known each other for a very long time. Right. And we're 
we always talk about getting older and how it kind of fucking sucks. And yeah, yeah, weird, yeah. And it's weird. Yeah, it is so, weird. And there's there's a lot of things. That I'm not go. like your party guy, so like as far as guests goes, fucking that's blown. <laughs> um, no, I think I'm it, mildly funny, so you're. I'm only worth a couple dollars. Yeah, uh, no, we'll add in sound effects to make it funny. Yeah, don't see, worry about it. We're not that funny either. Voice. We, just, we just think we are. There, Q fart noise. No, I think <laughs> <laughs> Skibs. Q fart noise now. Uh, actually, can you run a fart sound through a synthesizer and play Flight of the Bumblebee on farts? In reverse. Fart of the Bumblebee, in reverse. Actually, I'll bet Skibs will at least try it. Fart of the Bumblebee. (laughs) Um, no, but, uh, before we, before we get into some of that stuff, um, I want to, you know, I kind of want to get things moving by checking in and seeing how you're doing, man. Like, for those who don't know... You play bass for the Potato Pirates. I sure do. You are the only person who's ever played bass for the Potato Pirates, correct? No. Uh, my You're about, not a founding member. I am absolutely not. What? I'm probably about, no, okay, so like... Get off my show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. See you later. Yeah. No, it's and there he goes. <laughs> and there he goes. Uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm probably the fourth or fifth bass player, maybe. I was going to say, really? the, the first... Like the first group of the Potato Pirates, there were like twenty goddamn it's people like, in the it's band, right? The Potato Pirates are kind of like fourth year freshmen. Ah, uh, so like it's always been Steve and Vinny, and then it was always Steve and Vinny and Matt, and then me and Scott kind of picked up, and then Matt went to school, and I took. So Matt. Scott's not a founding member. No, Matt was a. F- that surprises Scott was, me. Scott was a fan or something. That surprises me because Scott is like. Such an essential part. Oh, absolutely. We played a show with Of your branding. So we played... Scott was doing a tour with Reno Divorce, and he was playing drums. Scott also plays the drums. Okay. Uh, and so we had to play a show without Scott. Awkward as fuck. Worst show... Probably worst show we ever did. Like, <laughs> because you know, we Scott do. We need it. It's like, if we didn't have Scott... Well, we need all of us, you know? It... Well, and he doesn't even say sing everything. No, no. He's he's yeah. like the yelly guy and the bang on the keg guy he's and the, the stoker, backpipe he's guy. He's the stoker. He's the stoker. The hype man is what they call it in the hip hop. But world. not like the boss tones. But not. No. Oh, he's not like the. He doesn't just dance and get paid a shit ton of money. What a great job, by yeah, the way. Yeah, but like in the dance, is that what it's called, a stoker? Well, I think that's what I call Scott because he gets people stoked. Yeah, he gets people stoked. So what's your what's your role in the band? I play the bass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you write? Do you, no, do you so like, I don't write very good. Um, I write things. You don't write well. No, yeah, you don't talk you very good. I don't, yeah, see, there you go. Um, I do, the prime example. Um, <laughs> I don't do much writing in the sense of like the structure of the songs. Um, just because I think, A, I'm too self-conscious. Like, I have my own songs, but I mean... Even you don't present them to the guys? No, because I don't think they're that great. Because I've never been that strong, in my opinion, at writing songs. And I always much prefer what they kind of bring. So basically, they'll bring a dead carcass of a song. And then the five of us will put it all together and kind of make it what it becomes. Well, what if you took one of your shitty garbage songs and gave it to them um, and had, them, cause I, I had think, them make it good? I think I didn't listen to the Beatles enough. Oh, well, I don't. That's I don't have enough melody to like, to like, do good songs or the kind of songs that I might play, and like, if I feel like I'm gonna try and play like metal song, not metal songs, but heavier songs, I just feel like it's over exaggerated. See, 
like you know what I mean? I I uh, you know I can barely play the guitar, right? Yeah, me like too. I'm I am no Tony Lee, but what I can do is I can take an idea and give it to someone else, and and that seed of an idea could be something great. And I mean. Have you presented your songs to anybody to well, see how they might be received? Not particularly, and I think there's a um, somewhere in my brain there's a disconnect right. because I can't I can process them and sort of play them myself, but I can't communicate necessi- your vision for it yeah, necessarily. Yeah. Okay. You know, I have a hard enough talking about regular old things. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know. you're really struggling right now. So Well, no, I, you know, <laughs> If I start trying to convey an idea or math or something, like my brain gets confused and then it's that's it. Have you have you tried just like demoing something just on a recorder on your phone or like a, a tape um, recorder and then just I, sending that over? I have some weird random tracks there. It's not like drums or vocals or any of that stuff. Um, excuse me. Uh, yes, excuse yourself. Well, I was about ready to burp all over the microphone. And yeah, it's not it happens all the time. And, you know. Um, anyway. Like, I have a direct in for my computer, and so, like, there's cool things that I've written on bass, but I don't know. They're more like riffs, and, like, I don't know if you can make songs out of riffs. You can? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, uh, you can. Here you we know. Go. Here we go. You yeah. take the, you New take, Leaf. Yeah, you take, that, you take that riff. Like, a lot of times, like, we do a lot of stuff, especially recently because Tony moved. We've yeah. Been ex- we've been experimenting a lot with sending stuff back and forth. Um, yeah, and see, that's a cool dynamic. But see, I don't know if the rest of the dudes in my band are lined up to do that kind of same recording. I'm not very good at it, mm. and so like well, I we're can't, terrible I, at it. We well, had to no, learn to do it. Well, for me though, where I'm getting, I get held up, and everybody's gonna laugh who's like ten years younger than me. But like, I can't make a simple drum track in iTunes. <laughs> Yeah, to play along to that so I what? that I find suitable. See, these these guys are way better at it than I am, and a lot of times the way like Logan songs become a thing is I bring one riff to practice, and I'm like, Tony, check this out, and I teach it to Tony, and then and then he kind of flies off with that. So yeah. Tony's so gifted, though. Yeah, well, yeah I mean the rest of my all right. Everybody, everybody <laughs> that I have I've ever Whoa. played music with for the most part has been very gifted, but like. Tony's a very good guitar player. As a guy, as a guy who knows the th- kind of how to play guitar, can only play power chords, and then plays with other people that I find to be good guitar players. Tony's a great guitar right, player. Right, but that, but okay, I'm a horrible screen printer. I don't know. Are Which you? It, no, you I am. I'm a horrible screen printer because I never developed that skill set. Right. Mm-hmm. And and hold on, let's back up. That's hold the sound on. of back me backing up. Back up. up. Back up. All right. Anyway, like I I. I am not very good at screen printing because I haven't developed that skill. Okay. So I come to you with t-shirt designs that I have. Yes. And then you help me make those prints a reality, right? Correct. So when it comes to someone like Tony, I have an idea. You're tricky. I see that, what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, I'm a I tricky son of a bitch. Me. I have an idea that is malformed, and he has an ability to take that guitar part and make it into something that's catchier, that's going to sound cooler. Likewise, yeah. Tony will have an idea for a riff or an idea for a progression or the basic structure of a song, maybe a basic vocal melody, and then he'll bring it to me because my skill set lies in... Probably more lyrics than melody, but lyrics and and 
you know, being able to deliver a song. So yeah. it's like yeah. you've got a guy for everything. So as long as you've got an idea and you've got people within your group, you can utilize their gifts. You can see your ideas yeah. kind of come to life. You know what I mean? Like Logan, Logan will, you could do something as simple as going on GarageBand and just setting a click track and recording to that click track okay. and then sending that off. Send that off as a project, and then anybody in your band can then plug into that and make additions to it, make amendments to it. You know, go like, "Hey, this. What if you did this? What if we did this structurally? Yeah. What if we, what yeah. if we did this sound instead?" Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you can take like sometimes malformed ideas okay. end up becoming the best ideas. Well, I understand, dude. I, I'm the same way with GarageBand. Like, I can barely use it. Tony it's, will it's add like too. Tony will add like drums and the bass part and the guitar part and then a click to it and everything, and I will send like a shitty recorded bass line that's just like, hey, I was fucking around with this, and then sometimes it becomes something, sometimes it doesn't, you know. A so. lot of a lot of times, what I'll do is I'll be driving around and I'll get an idea for something. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have a little black book? I'll get to that in a second. Okay. What I what I he's got a little black dick. Ha! A little tiny one. Wow. <laughs> I it's, don't know. It, it, it's it's necrosis. Like mm. basically, I got frostbite really bad, and my penis died, and it shriveled up and turned Shucks. black. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Shucks. Yeah. <laughs> my balls did turn black once, but that's a that's a, that's a story for another day. Micro penis. Uh, sorry, that's one of the secret words on the show. Micro penis. Yeah, micro penis. Oh, okay. Um, we just kind of you, know, you don't it. win anything if you say yeah, it. It's like just, uh, just kind of fit it into every episode. This oh. is hey, a micro penis always fits. It is uh, part of the drinking game that you developed, though, right? Is it? I think. Oh, it is. right, the motherfucking podcast drinking game. I forgot about that. I need to get those rules like fully written out. It basically, every time I say micro penis, you got to take a drink. That's one of them. It's kind of like the the word of the day on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Scream real loud. Today's word is micro penis. <laughs> 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 and then <laughs> and then they go to the movie theater and yeah, his yeah, yeah. career is ruined. Mm. Hey, zombie. Hey, Pee Wee. You sound pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does do voices for the weed show. What do you What do I you know, call? But I'm just. I'm what do you just call a tiny little baby dick on a grown man? You mean a micro penis? Ah! <laughs> oh no! Here comes Reba the Melee, <laughs> <laughs> the king of cartoons. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah. So, like, one uh, thing that we've started doing is we went and got this. Um, we got this mobile interface that is designed to work with an iPad or an iPhone. Oh. And it... Game changer for you guys, dude, and for it, sure. It, then it, you don't have to have a desktop computer. Right, exactly. Or even a laptop. Uh, it looks oh, like... Oh, dude, I have one of those too, but mine only has one thing that plugs the things in. So we've got that one that plugs into the computers. We have the four-channel one that's down there, and then we also have... That's too big for my One bitches. that like plugs in with a lightning cable. And it has a 48-volt phantom power, so we can power one of these microphones. Oh, cool. And we'll set up one microphone in the room, and Ty, with a pair of headphones, will record drums directly to his phone. Oh, pro. Like, directly to the click. Pro. And, you know, so Tony will send us a guitar part, and then send it to us. Man, you guys are And then we can add the drums. It took us a long time to figure Dude, it out. Dude, it took us out. so long to figure it out. <laughs> I feel time. like we're the I feel like my band's the Flintstones and y'all are the Jetsons. Man. That's what's so funny about like I mean not in any other terms other than like 
y'all are doing some crazy like you're making it work yeah you guys aren't ahead of us in any other ways we just try and drag our ass to practice once a week like y'all are making it work that's a very interesting thing to hear because there's this this side of social comparison which is like like career comparison that I feel like artists and musicians make a lot. It's like, no. oh, that band has so much, so many more opportunities than we do, and they're so much more successful than we are, and we'll never. Because I look at the Potato Pirates, and I go, man, that band has got it fucking made. Dude. But we, but we don't. You know, I mean, I'm very grateful for everything that we've been doing, and everything that we've ever done, and everything that we can do. But like, you know, how many times have you guys sold out? The Gothic or Moe's by yourselves? By ourselves, never. I don't believe. Really? We're, we're not that grandiose. I think we're. I think we. I think we did eleven eleven hundred at the Gothic. Oh, gee whiz! But it's not sold out, so I'm not going to say. You know, that's mm. that's bullshit clout. Like, oh, we played there. It's sold out. I'd I ra- think I'm, that's I'm, I'm more impressive. of a. Well, it's it super impressive, and you guys, but, you guys have a great following, and you are a. But, you were a band of a certain prominence. But if it was just us, like, the other bands that play on that bill, like, like every person has to have reason. Like, any, like you guys. I mean, you're more in music, but, like, going to a show, like, if you're going to spend all that money to go to a show, you're going to want to go for purpose. You're not just going to go because you have $20 burning a hole in your pocket. Right. You know, so, like, I would totally attribute that 1000 or whatever it was to the other bands too because like if it was just us would everybody want to come just see us yeah they that'd be cool but like no but you add everybody else to play with you and it's like okay cool so it's like we're getting ice cream but then we can have ice cream with syrup and fucking pineapples and the shit. You right, know what right. I mean? And I'm not going to get out of my house just for a plain old scoop of yeah, potato pirates ice cream. It just makes for a, a more fun show, you know? I, I would. I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay. I if you love were ice cream, ice cream you'd be pralines and dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. In all fairness, there is a, and this is to play the devil's advocate a little bit, there is a uh, tribalist ac- aspect to it. Where the Potato Pirates are kind of waving the banner of punk rock culture mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, I you know, and what and, you're and, and, and 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 specifically that type of like I don't know, uh, folksy fun party, arm around your buddy, drinking punk rock type of stuff. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like you guys could easily be, you could fairly be placed in the same camp as like Dropkick Murphys, Flogging Molly. Um, What's the other one? Goober Patrol is, is, is another Goober one. Patrol. Yeah, they were yeah. so cool. You know, like bands like Australian that that are like, like, like beer swinging, yeah. like yeah, uh, no, type of true. punk rock stuff. That, that's one thing they've always had that I've, I don't want to say I'm jealous of, but have like just admired and thought was really cool. Ah, uh, their personal branding. Yeah, yeah, personal branding. Now, well, we have say? a shitty name, and we realized yeah. we were stuck with it, so we might as well keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, no, what, 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 were gonna, what were you going to say, Logan? The, uh, the you, you guys have like this. Your fans are like this crew. You have this crew mentality, and you have a younger fan base, which is really cool, right? And anytime we've played with you guys or I've been to your shows, I've just been like, man, our shows are just filled with like forty-year-old dudes that are like, hey, man, you guys can really play. That's cool. And it's like, yeah, but I'd really like some some. Of the crazy 
we're, kids, we're, we're, you know? we're I think I think it's uh, I think it's a genre. I think it's, it's what we're doing. Yeah. Like you, the music that you guys play is far more technical than what we're playing. I think that, and we're I mean we're playing punk rock. Punk kids like yeah, punk rock. Yeah, but you guys Ultimate, are really good at it. Well, like, oh, I have seen a million overall, shitty punk rock I know, rock but, like, all of us, we're overall in our soul. We're still punk rock dudes, but there's so much more to us than the kids that are going to be 17, 18, 19, 20, not to discredit them in any way. But we're not bound to, like, the cultural side of it Correct. They're growing. They're learning. Yeah. You know right. I mean? And they're, and they're, they're when, looking like, for, play, like, people to bond with and places yeah, to belong to. And, yeah. and it is a very... It, Modern punk rock is a very positive environment. I will say that you know it's it is, and that's that's good and for the most part good and bad. I mean, everybody should support each other. Like, if if the people that are your friends or your people around you, like if they do something like cool, like you should support them. Like, bring them up. Like, if you bring them up, like then ultimately you're not to say we're talking about gangs because gangs are bad kids. Yeah, yeah, but gangs like, are stupid. Like if you're if if the pe- if you bring the people in your gang and your crew, everybody around you up because they're doing cool things and you make them feel uplifted because like you're doing rad shit and hey man, you might not think so or you're not making any money. Kind of like how you think that I do cool things. I don't make my pockets ain't lined with fucking money, dude. You know, I'm not making cool shit. Hey I man, just get to do you cool may things. think I'm this fucking this legend, no, no, man, no, no, but no, I'm no. just like you. No, I go to get my no. dry cleaning the same as you. No, I don't even do dry cleaning. <laughs> I went once. I bought my very first suit like a year ago and wow. I, I figured if you were in a ska punk band, you uh-uh. had to have a suit. Uh-uh. And also, like when we when we knew when we knew you, so we should we should clarify. Yeah, we've known you since up. high school. No, I've known you since middle school. Yeah, it's from Henry, right? Yeah, we went to Henry together. We did go to and Henry. And you left and well, went to I DSA, let, and me and right. Logan then stayed. Then you left. That's right. You I left, left in seventh all. grade. He went out to get cigarettes. Never well, no, back. I lit a trash can on fire, yeah, and my mom yeah. made me go to DSA. Did you really? Yeah, no I remember shit. that. Like my I cousin a- lit a trash can on fire over in Wash Park. Did he? Arson charge, dude. Oh, I got an arson charge. I've gotten Shut two up. arson charges in my life just dude. from being a little firebug, little shit, you know. But you ever like, heard that Dave Attell joke? Which one? He goes, "Who here likes fireworks? Come on, raise Show your hook raise hand. your hook hands." <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all. I mean, I was just a. You know, I was a teenage boy who just was curious yeah. about fire and mischief, explosives dude. and things. And mischief, yeah. Punk rock. So, uh, yeah, punk rock. And, uh, oh, I'll have some of that. Um, <laughs> like, uh, so I auditioned for DSA because my mom wanted me to. And I auditioned and I got You're in. You're so talented when we were kids, though. Uh, I, I appreciate that, man. I But I got, <laughs> I got in, but I didn't want to go. Because I didn't want to leave my friends. Yeah. And by the way, when I was at Henry, I was getting bullied incessantly. <laughs> I believe we all were. As yeah, a group. yeah, yeah. Like just because we were different at that point, everybody's different schools converged. Because at that, you know, they were doing a lot of busing. They were so, doing busing. Yeah. So the Swansea kids. Yeah. So it's Bear Valley. It was so just Bear different, Valley. different cultures colliding, and all these right. all these preteen kids are going. Well, you're not like me. Fuck you. I'm harder than you. All chock and full re- of hormones. Yeah, and, and really, shit, nobody yeah. was harder than nobody. Well, and it's Bear Valley is kind of a uh, cultural nexus anyway. It's a weird area, dude. Bear Valley's weird because it's like that's, part. That's about where I live. You do. You live in Bear Point Valley, so you know what I'm case. talking about. I live. It, we've talked in the about hood again, dude. We've talked about Bear Valley on the show before. It's Bear Valley is interesting because it's like part suburban. Oh yeah. It's part. 
like there's legit projects in and around Bear Valley. Oh yeah. And there is like legit like low income like what some might call like white trash oh, like yeah. around Defin- Bear definitely, Valley. Definitely. There's like a redneck especially content. in that part over by the Hat Park. Oh, in the mm. Flying Saucer Trailer Park over there? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. So Bear Valley has this like they used to have this police blotter do you remember the Do you remember the Bear Valley news that was like on the back page of the Bear Valley paper? No. Like okay, <laughs> now I'm a, dude. I'm gonna date myself here, but yeah. the, the Bear Valley Discount Movie Theater. Dude, I remember. I, I used like to ride the dollar my, movies. Yeah, I used to ride my bicycle down there. Yeah, the dollar movies in Bear Valley, right? And you'd go around the back and dude, they used sneak to forties in and shit. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They used to have a paper that was all like it, it was. It, it was like a police blotter Still that reserved. gave like little tiny blurbs about crime that had happened in the activity. Okay. And like when you're a little punk rock shit, it was a point of pride to oh, make yeah. it you in, you the ended police up in, there? Bro- in the Bear Valley police blotter. Somebody put a peanut or a... Fe- or a, a uh, Vandals drew genitalia yeah, on the exactly. side of the movie theater. Exactly. Or, like, or in our case, it was like... Vandals, uh, uh, some vandals broke into the football uh, uh, storage shed at Mullen High School and destroyed the football field. And police are looking for suspects and blah Dude. blah blah. You know, you'd be like, "Yeah, that was sus, oh, man." Yeah. Me and my friends, we went out and we showed that school where we don't even know anybody, but we just assumed they're part of the system because they're a private school. You know what I mean? But just those, like those kids are a little better off than we were. Not right, to right. say any of us were bad off. Our, all of, and none I, of us I feel were like, bad off. No, no, no. I feel like every one of our parents worked very hard for what we had. Um, none of us were left, I don't think, without anything. So I'm very fortunate for that. But it wasn't like brand new Air Jordans, which none of us would have wore. But if we would, our folks would have been like, yeah, no. Well, there's, we're, not, we're not that. There's we're not also, doing that. There's also, we work hard for what we do. There's also an identity thing that comes into it. Like, like you hear a lot about how there's a a pressure in low income urban areas uh which are primarily uh which are primarily home to people of color where the young people will talk about there's like this almost cultural pressure to be to be like a criminal or to be a, a hard ass because mm-hmm. you've been indoctrinated with yeah. this idea that you're like yeah. you're less than and you can't you can't survive in the world right yeah there's this like other side to it that's almost this like polar opposite which is like if you grow up in a pretty middle of the road socioeconomically speaking suburban yeah. um, scenario scenario especially when you start to learn about the ills of the world and you start to 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 worry about maybe some of the things that you're not seeing on the the nightly news when you're sitting down with your mom and dad and yeah. there there's almost this like this need that we have to like prove ourselves by creating a culture that we didn't have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when we were in high school, we got really into the Dropkick Murphys. Well, it's because they, it were, was they cool. were really good then. Well, they were really good. They're not so good. But now. it was all. It became. Please don't take that on reference for, for my band. For like a couple. Not so good now. <laughs> for like a I co- respect them still, but. <laughs> yeah, no. Mm. But for like for like a couple of years, it was like super cool to be. Irish and like working class Dude. and 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 all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like to be a tough guy. It's like I grew up in the suburbs with two loving parents and really wanted for nothing. But there's this like part of you that oh, like yeah. that wants to create an identity for yourself where you feel like 
you 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 feel like you're breaking out of that status quo. You oh, know what definitely. I mean? Like you are almost embarrassed and ashamed of your normalcy. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. No, you know what I mean? I, I get you. So there was a lot of that, I think, going on when when we were kids. And definitely. so and and so you have that coming up against and coming into conflict with the kids that they were bussing in from Swansea yeah. who, you know, are coming in and they're seeing these white kids who have it, you know, have advantages that they don't have and are going home to environments that they may not have. And I understand. And, 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 and so, yeah. So when I was, when I was at Henry, I was getting my ass whipped with, 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 with pretty love. decent, with love, <laughs> with pretty decent regularity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, the, to the point that, I was definitely one of those freaky weird kids who like had like violent and yeah. malevolent fantasies about, you know, doing harm to people. So, but the, I think the cool thing is, is once that, see, you weren't around for our experience because you, again, you lit shit on fire and, and got kicked out. And got well, kicked I didn't out get of, kicked out. Your parents sent you to better junctures. They were like, well, basically I didn't want to go and my mom was bummed about it. And then she utilized the fact that I fucked up as leverage to take the choice away from yeah, me. Yeah. You know, she's like, well, if the choice isn't yours anymore. You're going to DSA, which, as it turned out, was maybe in some ways oh, it, just it as bad. No, but it helped you because right now you would not be doing MF Ruckus the way you would had you not done that. Had I not gone to to that environment where yeah you just not to say even for the training just for the com- for being comfortable with it right I was taken out of a, a comfortable you understand, environment you understand and what I'm saying like else. like yeah. with being 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 on stage and performing you're you're very comfortable with that so for you it's in my perception it's a little easier for you to be a showman because you're very very comfortable with it I mean I, that's been as far as I've ever known you you've been. Su- super talented in in those departments. I really appreciate that. No, I mean it's true. Um, the uh, the other thing is is I was right in the middle of five points. Yeah, you know I was yeah. right in the that middle of the old, city. Old DSA. So old when DSA when you ditched class, you were downtown, yeah. man. I remember ditching class for the Shakespeare Festival and going to buy <laughs> tickets at the Ogden Theater. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Back when the Tabor Center had the flag store. Fuck we were, Tabor Center. Dude, when we had when we had Jim and Matt uh, from Mutiny on here, we were like talking about how we like missed the flag store yeah. at the Tabor Center. No, but um so yeah, so we were going back to like really how we came to know each other. And that was we were at Henry together. I left to go to DSA, and then yeah. uh, you guys were at Kennedy together. And yeah, then mm-hmm. I came in at the end and joined you guys back at Kennedy. Yep. Now you have been playing in punk rock bands pretty much that whole time, haven't you? Yeah, I started playing a bass. I was you know thirteen or fourteen, like probably the rest of us, and I just played in shitty bands, you know. And then one day, like, I drop some names. Like, who are these shitty bands that you played for? Oh, jeez. Were you in Admire the Lunch Lady? I was with Kurt Wallach. He was yeah, yeah, yeah. Jew- yeah. Jewish oh, Kurt from the High Dive. Wait, wait, wait. Kurt Wallach was in Admire the Lunch Lady. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, with Colt Varney and Jordan. Oh, Jordan Pepper. Man. Yeah. And at the time, Admire the Lunch Lady was a thing 
fourth year freshman was. Oh, dude, we would play shows at this thing. place called Cafe Euphrates, yeah? and this dude yeah. would screw us out of money every time. Because mm-hmm. he could, could because be, but we could rage, dude. There was kids under. We were like sixteen. There was kids underage drinking. There was a Seven Eleven across the street. There were projects across the street. Mm-hmm. There was no fucks given. Zero fucks given. Dude didn't care. And and now they call that Uptown. Yeah, 17th and Franklin. Yeah, up, uh, Uptown Denver was a much, much, much different place. I, I, think, I remember when I think that it's those a brewery now. These guys I'm played there sure once. Yeah, is it? Yeah, uh, of course. It's, it's either a brewery it, or the place right next door. Is it's a like a neighborhood right bar, like kind yeah. of a highfalutin bar with okay. a lot of like, with a lot of uh, like facades that are made yeah. to look like aged wood. You know what I mean? Like oh, every, yeah, every everything. I like aged wood. Like it's it's really probably like <laughs> just like aluminum. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're like IKEA plastic and aluminum <laughs> furniture. Yeah. But then they've got a facade on them yeah. of like of like mahogany and leather, rich mahogany, and like and like brass rivets and shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's some yeah. it's some like neighborhood neighborhood bar thing. Yeah. And I like go in there. I went there to meet with our lawyers, mm. and I go in there and I'm Man, looking around. I'm big. like. <laughs> I go in there. I go in there, and I'm looking around, and I'm just like, God damn it. I'm like, do you know what we used to do in this room? Mm-hmm. Like, they used to have that. The, the worst things used to happen totally in that room. Those. Dude, the green. I remember at one of your shows, somebody got thrown through the fucking front window. Biscuit did that, and it was the owner of Euphrates. It was Hamim from Euphrates. Biscuit threw him through the window? Threw him through the window. I remember when Biscuit clocked that dude at the that one show where that dude spit on you, and he fucking at the... Uh, the oh, Raven? The Raven. Oh, that one. Gee, oh, that dude spit oh, on you and Biscuit came up and fucking was, smacked uh, that dude. I think it was leftover crack. Okay. No, no, no. Okay, that show that we you're thinking of. We don't have to bring up. that up. No, <laughs> we, we won't bring that up. I'm yeah. just saying like. That, that was an ugly night in, in, I don't in the world of punk rock. It was in the olden days, yeah. man. Dude, what, it, what, what those days really, like we thought that we were like wiling out for a cause, but really we were just young dudes full of testosterone who wanted to punch something. You know what I mean? There is so much of it that is just like, ah, I just, I've got all these emotions and I'm so horny and I don't know what to do about it, so I'm gonna go watch a show and punch a guy. Or look at it this way. Uh, look at it, mm, glass half full. Like, you say, you say, <laughs> mm. while, you say while and out for a cause. I feel like generally speaking, uh, people of a punk rock culture are going to be, not to say better humans, because everybody's an idiot, generally speaking, but you have a kind of a more grasp towards the world. You know, you think about things a little more freely. You think about things as opposed to being one-sided. You think about them overall. So think, I, I, basically what I'm, get, what I'm getting at is basically, let's say there was a bunch of people that when we were in school that were, let's say, cool or doing cool things, they were popular in their extracurricular thing like generally speaking not to say they're shitty and losers but they probably are like i feel like uh, they were more interested in maintaining the status quo yeah whereas like, more i'm just down for doing main- rad things with rad people and, but then but then and there's that's a, what we're doing but then there's a hierarchy within the 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 tribes of the outcasts as well, and oh, yeah. there is um, there's ideological dogma all throughout um, all throughout punk rock. Yeah, you know what I mean. We're basically if you fall outside yeah. of the dictates of the of the, uh, the of ideological the dogma, punk rock. dude, absolutely. Oh, yeah, you know um, where then you, you're shunned. Yeah, you get shunned yeah, from it. That's true. You know, and it's like like 
Everybody, uh, the world's fucked, man. That's all. Getting like, old, getting old sucks, and the world's fucked. Like I'm no, like I'm no right winger by any means. No, I would. I am definitely not a right winger. I do not like Donald Trump. Right. But I at least will think of everybody's. I think of things with a rational mind. If it's a, if right, it's a critical smart, thinking correct. is an important critical thinking. Skill. That's all it is. Whether yeah, yeah. it's right or wrong, critical thinking is the important. The important fact. I, I guess I'm just saying that there are areas of punk rock on the more fringe end and collectivist side of it where people are less interested in critical thinking and are more interested in evangelism to the dogma of that tribe, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like, like an example is like, look, I, truth be told, I don't know the things that like Michael Graves from the the shitty misfits oh like, yeah yeah like i don't know specifically the content of some of the things that he said but i do know that he is like shunned and pilloried by the world of punk rock right oh, definitely. And, and a lot of it has to do with his politics well yeah now we hosted him at three kings a couple of times yeah he's kind of a chode in the sense that he's like a little vain and and self-important but he didn't come off to me as being a malicious, evil, no. mean person. We've done some shows, and he's not an evil, malicious person. His own beliefs, his own... I mean, the thing that people forget is where you live geographically in the U.S. or anywhere. There's can, a container of I- ideology can di- can di- there. Yeah, it can dictate. So, like, let's say... Let's say you were a guy and you drove uh, dump trucks and tractor trailers and shit like that. And you're in the middle of Oklahoma, New Mexico, whatever. Okay? The most liberal guy in that environment. Okay, yeah. So, but let's just say you own those, that equipment and you live in that, in that climate. Um, and a big oil company says, hey, you little business guy, we need you to make eight miles of road all the way out to this place where we found low pressure gas and build a site. And all you're doing is running your dump truck down the road, knocking trees down, putting some dirt and shit down, making them, you know, making them their site. And that helps your business. Right. Where are you going to sway? Whether you care about big oil politics or not, like if that's how your family is being fed, you're going to go with what's feeding your family. Well, right. So that's what a lot of people in politics, they forget is sometimes people have to do that. I mean, I am no right wing person. Like I just kind of sit in the middle and everybody hates that but not nah, see I, I don't think that like just because I choose to, I guess I choose not to be involved if there's important things and that sounds maybe that's ignorant and I'm not trying to be I don't th- I don't think it's ignorant I, I, at all I, I think, think I, I think it's reasonable I think there's just so many crazy things going on that I don't care to follow up with them and I have my own let's say drama quote unquote drama in my own world you know band business uh, everything that's going on like like we were talking before we were talking before things that, that are out of my control there's no sense in me being upset over well and, and, because and I we, don't have the time to try and ch- correct them we were talking we were talking before uh, the my, that we started recording about this idea of like how slowly the pendulum swings from one way uh, one side to another and uh-huh. kind of like but the ultimate purpose of it is to kind of carve a line like straight up through progress like progress is is a gradual upward spiral essentially right kind of right and it like happens in like the swinging of the pendulum is what propels the society you know what i mean yeah and it would be fair like if i were to ascribe you know political 
labels to myself, it would be fair to say that I am center left. All right. Oh, definitely. Me, me, me too. But I also because think I still that, like weed and I still like guns. Right. But I'm not like a gun advocate. They're just kind of fun to shoot. Right. And if some motherfucker is going to threaten me, I'll shoot him in the knee. Right. Right. Like I don't. I don't. Oh, I. I'm right. not going to go there, dude. I just. Well, and and that's the thing is like the people. When, when when you said everybody might think dot dot dot, I really think that, and I've mentioned this multiple times, is just so much of the narrative is being controlled by a small percentage of the population, the loudest people with the most extreme ideas, and well, the, the, the least screen. number of social inhibitions to keep them from saying everything that pops into their head, and then we give them a platform on Twitter or Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever it is, and. Because they are the loudest and they're the most visible, they're kind of controlling the narrative. But at the end of the day, I think most people with a basic set of critical thinking skills can go, yeah, I can see the nuances in this subject. I can see the gray area in this. You know, these guys are pretty extreme (coughs) on this end. These guys are pretty extreme on this end. What do you say we just have a, a common sense discussion here round about the middle? Yeah, And unfortunately, what's kind of going on now is because we're adjusting to this new technology and we're adjusting to how to integrate it into our everyday lives is we're seeing people who communicate those sort of things being kind of almost exiled from the conversation, at least on uh, on a on a mainstream level. Like you look at like someone like like Steven Pinker. Okay, is probably one of the most optimistic researchers of our time. He's like a research psychologist. Okay, and he wrote uh, "The Better Angels of Ourselves." He wrote um, "Enlightenment Now." I can't remember what uh, what his other books are, but basically, he posits that things are better than they've ever been in terms of how our civilization has been the entire time civilization has been around like the world has gotten less violent there's less war infant mortality is down maternal maternity is down poverty is down uh like global poverty is down um uh what else does he talk about uh uh literacy is way up like even the un uh you know has a mission which they are ahead on of seeing everyone on the planet, even in like sub-Saharan Africa, which has started to get plugged into the internet age, like the, the, the access to information is lifting people out of poverty and they are, they are predicting that everyone, like al- almost everyone on the planet will be above the poverty line within 30 years. Like things, things are better and they are improving at a rate faster and faster and faster than they've ever improved before. Now, I I understand what you're saying, but what if that poverty level, if the, if the level of poverty say now, if it floats up, it's still poverty, dude. It's just a new age poverty. Right. And I, and there's no difference. And I wouldn't be able to speak to that. No, I know. I'm just, I'm just thinking of it. Right. Just thinking of all the subject. I thought of the same thing. I'm not saying, I'm not saying at all. What you're saying isn't correct. I, I, I think, I think he's, I think the numbers are adjusted to scale, but I wouldn't be able to say for sure. Yeah. The predictions no, aren't to scale. But in theory, I mean, in theory, with technology, if if you don't know how to do something and technology is at your fingertips and you want to find out 
how to do something, a lot of times you just do a little search in your old. You can find it in your old computer. Well, and pocket. you're connecting. You're connecting to different cultures. Yeah. and you're learning different yeah. things. And it's like, like, like we're living yeah. in an age where the information is traveling so quickly we yeah. can scarcely even perceive it. Right. So Steven Pinker. But is it so fast that it just to get lost? You you know like books and media of that sorts will always be there. But like, do these things fly by so fast? So like, think of, just think of like stupid memes and shit like that. Oh yeah, I found this, you gotta see this. Ah oh, shit, let me find it. Well, you're, you're, you're talking about the, the lack of retention that comes with it. And, yeah, I, and, yeah, and yeah. I think, I think, well, time's gonna or even tell not, Or even documentation. Well, but the, 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 point that, the point that I'm making is that someone like Steven Pinker, who that is what he posits, which is, which is inarguably a very optimistic perspective of, of uh, civilization. Oh yeah, I'll hit that. Um, is has gotten him uh, a lot of blowback. Has gotten him largely criticized, and has made him a member of what some might call the intellectual dark web. Even though he completely doesn't fit there, other than the fact that there's a lot of people who get mad at the stuff that he says. Okay, you know what I mean? Like he says things like that, and people get mad about that idea that the world isn't as awful as we think it is. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah, you're getting say getting mad is very hip. If getting mad is that, that's super very true. Hip. That's very true. And because then everybody, you've let everybody know that that you know you've let everyone know where you stand at that point. You know if you well, and there is. is there is secondary gain to be had by winning a gold medal in the victimology Olympics. You know what I mean? Like there is. I guess I don't even understand that shit. Well, I mean, I understand. I understand what you're saying, but like, if you have my trouble, brain in putting me in that scenario, I can't even process it because I'm like. Dumb idea. Moving on. If you're a human being that wants to connect to people and you might have trouble doing it in other places, so you want to create an internet persona that will connect you to other people and help you to belong because you share the same ideological bents and because things like outrage and anger and sadness jump up to the top to the algorithm. You know what I mean? Like, like people are going to get those little... uh, Oh, what do you call it? I, I, uh, dopamine kicks. You get a little dopamine hit yeah. every time someone gives you a like or a comment. You oh, get a yeah. big dopamine oh, yeah. hit if somebody... Uh, Influential. Uh, yeah. Or even if you get into a conflict with someone, like your fight or flight yeah. response comes yeah. on. Because, I mean, in your mind, you're being ganged up on by 500 people. And the fun thing is, is it's a whole different world. Yeah. So, like, if you don't like it, you can just walk away, and I don't think people realize that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I, I think once you're, think once you're involved, you're involved. I think that's starting to change. I don't know. I, I, I feel like – and I'll explain a little bit more about that later on in the second half of the episode when we talk about some of the other things. Because I, I want to talk to you a little bit about some, like, realizations, some, like – Serious realizations that I have had only in the past week due to the circumstances that we're going to talk about. Um, yeah. But, uh, oh, fuck. I completely just like, I just like went into a wall there. No, that's okay. I went, I, I forgot. Uh, we were talking about my dumb band, the Potato Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. We all got uh, pretty uh, deep there. Yeah, we have I a, just uh, set we, left, we left Logan behind. That's <laughs> no, all good. So, just Logan's like, like, oh, you're back. Hi. Yeah, I've just been sitting here reading a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> the Silly Band, the Potato Pirates, has a new uh, album that's coming out on uh, 
November 30th. Good and we, segue. And we have a show on uh, Good segue. November 30th at the Bluebird Theater in Denver, Colorado with bands to be determined. Um, I actually, and I figure then I, you know, that shit's done and it is not a decent segue, but I want to. I want to. I listen you. to a lot of talk radio, so I feel like <laughs> zing, zoom on in and yeah, yeah. Congratulations, yeah. Talk radio yeah, on, yeah. on oh, the release. That's great. Oh, thank you. Putting, um, putting a putting a record together and getting it out is is the process we're all in right now. It's <laughs> called hymns for the wayward, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember that. I retained that I information. Saw, I saw the uh, the cover of it today. Who's who's hand is that's that? Vinny right that's Vinny's Vinny? big hand yeah. okay uh so funny thing is is it's been recorded for a long time uh dude our it's record's been, fi- been done it's been, for probably two years yeah exactly right? that's kind of where we were at um so we just wanted to wait put it together do it all right and <laughs> gordo's shaking cool. his head like he's like god damn it oh uh, i mean it's just no it's just that that's just the nature of the beast that's how it works yeah it's hurry up and wait, man. I will, like, I will say we won't be one of those bands that's like, hey, we're having an album release, and it's like, oh, the the place blew it, and we don't have... Right, you won't to. announce the release until you know you're no, going to have it, which is a no, really smart move. We know the release, November 30th. We already, I mean, everything's locked down, dude. Yeah. I don't want to say that the, thing, that the items are in hand, but... Because I don't want to be time. shook down for fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> don't shake him down. But real life, I mean, there'll be CDs, there'll be vinyl, there'll be, you know, the whole. And shit. what's the date on that? November thirtieth. Man, November thirtieth. Yeah. I, I want to make it out for that. Bluebird, you uh, said. Yeah. That's really cool, man. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll make sure we have a big guest list, and I'll put you on it. That'd be cool, buddy. Didn't I, uh, Vinny just procreate? Vinny, Vinny yeah. Did so procreate. Vinny procreated nine months ago, and then his spawn was released, I think, one week ago and a day ago. Ah. Very cool. He's a handsome little boy. We saw him on Friday. What's his name? Kingston. Kingston. Kingston, King, Kingston James. That's, That's cool. That's really cool. He's a handsome boy. Um, he's oh. very cute. He's real small. It's weird. Like, looking at their, like, tiny little toes, I was super dissecting him, like, with my eyes. Just like, are you dissecting everything? Me with everything's your eyes? like everything's like a grown up, but like it's ex- weird. It's like a micro machine. They're like a little. They're like a little person. Yeah. They're like a shrinky dink. Yeah, man. they are. Like it's, like drop this little tiny dinosaur in water and they'll grow up. But it's like drop this squishy mush man into breast milk and he'll turn <laughs> into a real boy. Well, so the funny thing for me was is like they have a dog, like uh, a real small one. Mm. I don't even know what kind it is, but it's real tiny. You know, about the size of the baby. It's like. Oh man, dog, you're in for a world, dude. This thing's gonna get like six hundred times the size of you, dude. Mm. My cats, my cats have grown to love Ransom. Yeah, I'm sure they love him. They like because he's a heat source, and oh, I have yeah. and I have bald cats. You know Just what I mean? Make sure so they they're don't like suffocate him. Well, the because cats are. Well, the younger cat, the younger cat was super resentful and has gotten kind of neurotic since the baby came along. Yeah. But the older cat is like, now you know how I felt when you showed up. Yeah. Like, yeah. like he cuddles up with the baby and like, I'm trying to teach Ransom how to pet Mouse, the yeah. older cat. Real nice. And, and Mouse will cooperate. He will facilitate the learning process because he knows that eventually that kid is going to be able to do things on his own. And he also knows the secret to being in our good graces is to be cool with the baby. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as the younger one fin- f- figures it out. Cats are great. smart. Yeah. But dude, like when you first bring them home, babies, not cats. Yeah. When you first bring them home, they're like you don't bring them home in a box like cats, right? No, but <laughs> well, sometimes they're like a tiny, e. they're like a tiny little squishy yeah. football. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
like I've got a picture of Logan holding my son like a couple days after we brought him home. Yeah. And he like fits right in he the crook of Logan's small. elbow. Yeah. Just like and now it's like you're built for it. He's mm. he's I feel like that's twenty works, weeks old. Yeah. Okay. He's twenty weeks old as of yesterday. Okay. And I throw my back out if I'm fucking trying to swing him and rock yeah, him yeah, to sleep. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he is, he's a monster. He's dude. getting big, and you're getting old, dude. He's 20 pounds. Yeah, and he like looks. Yeah. He looks like sick. He, he looks like a six month old, and he kind of looks like a really happy pink Uncle Fester. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. So yeah, it's it's interesting to see him like kind of just like sprout into yeah. a person. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. That's cool. My favorite part is Aaron's starting to get dad bod. Like he's dead. Oh, are you? Are yeah. you really? Like, so I had to go get fitted for a dad suit stance, and, and dad they're like, belly. I used to be a thirty-three. Well, they um shit. So, you know, we're going through my brother's stuff. Yeah, and I took one of his suits. Okay. And my the suit that I'm gonna wear this weekend uh, is almost a perfect fit. I put it on, which is really weird because uh, my brother is a tall guy. Okay, you know what I mean. Yeah. I didn't think it would be even close to the same size, but I put this suit on, and and it was almost a perfect fit, except for they had to pop out the daddy stitch. You know what I mean, like. What's right the along stitch? the right along the sides, oh, around you, your midsection. You got cupcakes on the side. There's like, <laughs> I'm a skinny guy. Oh yeah. But since I like, dude, well, what, you, what were we? We were up there doing the BOC show, and Logan, eat, Logan just like looks at than me you and ever goes, have in your whole life, dude. I mean, Logan just looks at me and just goes, "Dude, you're kind of getting fat. Damn, <laughs> damn. You're kind of you're kind of getting a little." Dad bod there, dude. Oh, so I'm like, it's all right. I'm like looking at myself. I'm like, I am getting, a, I'm getting skinny guy fat. So well, you know, when, when your right. band has been telling you you're fat for ten years, Logan's like, I've yeah, been waiting yeah, I've, for I've you. I've had a dad bod since I was two. <laughs> you know, so. So you hey, my kid has a dad bod. Right, dad bod. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, so like when I got fitted for the suit, like I walked out and I'm like. I'm like, man, you guys don't even have to do anything. We might not even have to get this thing tailored. And then, then the seamstress, who's this like German lady, yeah. like no nonsense German lady, yeah. she's like, well, we'll we'll have to make some adjustments. She's like, we have you to pop pop out right here. You it's ain't a little tight. You're not gonna fit. She's. I'm like, what are you talking about? I feel great. Fits perfectly. It's like Spanx, but it's supposed edition. to restrict my breathing by twenty percent, right? No, especially in the neck. Yeah, I mean. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I, I want to like, like, like if you take a deep breath or you flex your neck muscles, you're supposed ah! to choke yourself out. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the proper way, dude. Well, here's and the thing: clip on tie. The problem with traditional autoerotic asphyxiation is you die sometimes. It, you die sometimes <laughs> for one. For two, I was watching the first episode of season two of Mind Hunter. Okay. Sometimes your wife comes home early and finds you in the bathroom with a rope tied around the doorknob and your neck and a clown mask and her dress because you were jerking and gets off mad into and runs the out the door. Something? You know what I mean? Like, give me some privacy. Were you lady. jerking off in the toilet he, or something? He, have you watched the no, second season of Mindhunter yet? I mean, you painted a beautiful picture. I literally you know. just watched that one scene. That's all I've seen. <laughs> you watched that <laughs> one <laughs> scene? I fell asleep. I was so tired. It's so good, s- dude. Yeah, I, mean, I, I love that I, show. I love that show. It's good. Yeah. But, uh, but I miss out on TV shit. Well, the the one of the main focuses of the show... There's kind of this like ongoing scene by scene narrative of the BTK killer. Oh yeah. And so they keep showing just little snippets of stuff from his 
long and illustrious career. And like in the new season, like in the first episode, the little the little snippet that you get into his world is his wife comes home and catches him whacking off in a clown mask with a rope around his neck. <laughs> like, and he comes out and he's just like, oh, come on, I was just goofing around. It's mine and I can play with it as much as I want. Doesn't anybody <laughs> knock anymore? I hate that guy. What's that What's that joke? <laughs> the PTK um, killer? I don't, pref- I don't like him. You know, like he's just, he, he chews with his he mouth open. a lot open. of people in my hometown. He double dips. He he's just rude at parties. There's only two. There's well, did he really kill a lot of people in your hometown? Oh right, because yep. he's from Wichita, right? Or what? What? What town is he from? In Park City. Park, Park City. City. So, dude, do you have like people in your life who have like stories of BTK? Yes. Really? Whoa. That's insane. Wow. So you like That's legitimately nuts. like? I mean, if you could see like, the hate seri- that guy. It, it was if you a could thing. See seri- it was like nice. a. Seriously, to call it a, a reign of terror is kind of. Well, he was. Kind of, that was, it's, it's was like, a fucking it's like reign it's of terror. It's kind of like whitewashing it a little bit because it was like everybody was so paranoid. Yeah. Because he couldn't do dude, shit. Dude was not. You know, and he didn't even get caught until. Trace. He didn't yeah. even get caught until like ten years ago, right? Yeah. Dumb computer mistakes. Like here in Colorado like, or something like that. I think. Was, no, he he literally like he <laughs> he sent in. Uh, he sent it into a television station. It was a, uh, it was one of his, I don't know, one of his manifestos or one of his poems. Or right, whatever. right. He did all sorts of weird crap like that. Yeah. And they traced the they traced the disc back to a, he was like a the computer sexy, that he used whoa, at his church. What? what? That's like how the, they caught him. He was like the sexy zodiac. You know what I mean? There's nothing sexy about this dude. At all, holy! So, dude, I, I talk was, about that. I'm, I mean, I'm with him. Yeah, I was laughing about it, but yeah, you have lots of reasons to not like this, dude. dude. That well, it's there interesting was, because for your experience, it's not like something like Jeffrey Dahmer, who becomes like a boogeyman of our time. That's like a little little piece of urban mythology. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but like, he was really you were well, literally there you, the, uh, when this guy was fucking people up. The the thing that kind of hit closest to home was I went to high school with. A girl who got harassed by him because he was a he was like a, a a code enforcer like it is you know in his neighborhood right so for uh, for pets he was really really weird about pets and like leash laws like and leash shit like laws that. and all that stuff and so and he and he really harassed the shit out of. He was wasn't of, he a, wasn't uh, he a security guy too? Yeah, like he worked for like Brinks Home Security yeah. at one point. Yeah, that's Whoa. how he got in. That's how he got access. So he had the, he had this thing that's for fucked. like he had this thing for like control. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like usually serial killers do. I think. Yeah, it's a no, control for thing. Sure. They don't feel like they have control. Even Jeffrey Dahmer, he was real rapey, but he wanted to be in control. He wanted someone. He was trying to make a zombie so that he could make something that wouldn't leave him. Yeah, or you know he just what I mean? to fuck yeah. him and kill him. I heard at the beginning he just raped him and someone accidentally died. And then he's like, well, fuck, I like raping people. If I got to kill people, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. he, he, he did. Fucked, he, he drilled holes in people's heads and poured acid drilled, in them. He and drilled it, a lot of lot in them. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think it did start off as just drugging and, yeah, and fucking raping. Up. Yeah, and then but then it up. started snowballing pretty I'll quickly. tell you that whole celebrity culture that... Comes up around killers. that stuff. It just it really rubs me the wrong way. Really, I, I really can't stand it. So yeah. so like, wow, that's dude. I I want to learn more about that. That's like, because it's something that is so popular with like so many people. It's like I, I've got like uh, oh Jonathan Davis from Corn bought Ted Bundy's. 
Volkswagen, and it's like, right. dude, you mean the guy who guy raped and murdered like He's a few dozen women? Like the guy who like brutally raped and murdered like a few dozen women? Like kind of fetishizing and lionizing them in a little bit of a way? That's like it's gnarly, dude. Yeah, I don't yeah, like it's, that. It's pretty disgusting. Yeah. Tony's dad actually told me a pretty crazy Gacy story the last time. We oh, yeah. Down, Tony's dad, Dave is another one who is like, he's like, I don't think John Wayne Gacy stuff's funny. That yeah, shit yeah. was going on in my neighborhood. Like, guys I went to school with fucking like, disappeared in yeah. that guy's house. Some That's dudes crazy. he knew, like, they would go to job sites and shit, and then all of a sudden... Dudes just wouldn't be there anymore. Yeah, fuck that. It's fucked up. I wanna. I wonder if we will see. Because I feel like it, human beings are have always had a, a fascination with the macabre, and probably always will to a degree. Like, I mean, dude, I I love Mind Hunter. You know, I've I'll yeah, watch. I, I do too. I I'll mean, watch like, every documentary uh, yeah, there is. Not gonna lie. <laughs> but you're not. You're not sitting there like drooling with intrigue and morbid curiosity like you're curious about the story but you like legit dislike these like like actively dislike these people and what they did to the communities yeah yeah absolutely and i mean and i i do don't hear that a lot anymore i appreciate the science side of that show just the, the kind of the psychological aspect of like what do we need to do to to root out these Right, people, you know, mm-hmm. and to figure out what's going on here and why this happens like that. I find that stuff pretty fascinating. Like there was, I remember when I was a teenager, and you'd go to, um, you go to the Wax Tracks T-shirt store to get some stuff, mm-hmm. and you know they kept like Charles Manson shirts, and like you'd go in like Metal Edge magazine, Charlie Don't Surf, yeah, Charlie, dude. There would be like, you'd go in Metal Edge magazine. Metal Edge was interesting too because it was edgy because because you and could metal. you could on the same page you could buy a living color T-shirt and a swastika earring. Yes, like, you could get yes. both in Metal Edge magazine. Rockabilia, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, mm. dude, yeah. Like the and it was like the same mail order company, or like you could get a yeah. Bad Brains pin and an SS Lightning Bolt belt buckle. You know, and I don't like, remember that and like, oh, like I do. I mean, I remember yeah. the catalogs, but I don't remember. And like I, I remember anarchy get, shirts and oh, oh, oh yeah, getting oh, all yeah. pissed off at my parents when I was a kid, and I would like was looking in the back, and I found all the satanic stuff, and I was like, I'm gonna get all this stuff and just be that weird Satan kid. Now. You'd have been a goth, and then I was like, No, I'm not. <laughs> nah, <laughs> I'm proud for you. Actually, I should probably be grounded. <laughs> I got caught smoking weed once, and I got. Well, I grounded myself. Yeah? Yeah. You oh. got you grounded yourself for smoking pot? Well, I thought I was in fucking fuck, dude. So I, just <laughs> I thought I was in fuck. Yeah, and it was fine. Cool. Uh, well, we've been going about an hour. I think we're going to take a quick break. Okay. And, uh, yeah, man, thanks for listening to the podcast. We're here with my buddy, Andrew Williams. Hi. From the world <laughs> famous... But, hey, before we take a break, real quick. World famous, eh? Yeah, yeah. Be- before we take, before we take a break... Fuck it. I want to... Um, Intercontinental. I want to ask you... I've always been curious about the cruise ship concert phenomenon. I don't know. The, we the, did it once, and it was cool as fuck. Was it cool as fuck? Oh, dude, once lifetime experience. Because I've I've been I've been on like the Monsters of Rock cruise, and I have it's be just I have like missed that, feelings dude. of that. But I think it's because br- I've we, always said, man, if we could invent a teleporter and have all of our fans in one place at once, we could at least sell out the Lions Lair. Yeah. You know, like we could at least 
Phil Cafe Euphrates if we could, you know, just get all our friends from around the world in the same building at the I same time. I know those time. dudes cash out. They have to. Oh, they it's have not, to. It's not cheap. It's not. It's like if you were to do the same cruise as a regular cruise, it's a little bit cheaper. Quite, well, quite and much cheaper. They've got to do package deals for the companies that throw the events the same as they would for customers that come on. Like, you get a package when you come on the cruise ship. Yep. It's like they have, like, here is, you know, uh, here's your drink package. Oh, and they, then, do, they still and, do all that same shit a la carte. It's just uh, the experience, you know. It's a, just, a, they four, just a $400 cruise is a $1,200 cruise. They just have a different entertainment director correct. on, on you're that pay, cruise. You're paying more guarantee and... I wonder if the people who run Food's the same, shit's all the same. I wonder if the people who run the boat and like the casinos and the bars and all that. I wonder if they prefer their boat filled with drunken punk rockers or crazy hillbilly fucking nut jobs that go on cruises all the so time. So I think I have only taken one cruise in my life and I feel like the entire cruise was just people from Texas. Just hillbilly just families, you know? families from Texas. I think they tip pool ship wide. I think all the service positions yeah. pool ship wide. Yeah. So I wonder what they I'm sure their average goes way down for a bunch of stuffy art collecting, ballroom dancing, you know, blue hairs coming up in there for like uh just one of their basic package cruises, yeah. you know what yeah. I you know what I mean? But like when um when my dad and I went on the Monsters of Rock cruise I was posting pictures, and Andy Burkaw, friend of the show, mm-hmm. friend of the band, one of the owners of the Oriental Theater, Andy Burkaw, love you very much. He was on there playing bass and uh, tour managing for um, the samples the week before I went on. So I'm, like, posting pictures of the ship for the Monsters Rock Cruise, and he's like, oh, yeah, I was just on that the week before for this, like, micro-brew cruise. Yeah. And then, like, after we got into port, everything was being broken down and set up for, like, the Simple Man Cruise yeah. or something like, you know what I mean? Like It's, it's a just- big deal now. They, they made money in it. So the same time we were doing our cruise, it was uh, uh, Pitbull. The rap, the rapper. You could Whoa. see his boat. His boat was off on the other side. It's the same fucking route, you know. Right, right, right. And it's all the same. That's the funny thing is like you change the entertainment director and the theme, but it's all basically the same shit. Is people standing in line at the buffet and their yeah. flip flops and swimming in their hot tubs and like, like. There was probably a lot more titties and ass on the Pitbull cruise. Though. Yeah, I'm sure. Way more titties and ass on the Pitbull cruise. So, I'm, so what was just just have, have you guys done more than one, or you only did the one? I've only been on one cruise in my life, and it was it that. was it was the Salty Dog cruise that you Cor- guys did, right? Correct. Yeah, Flogging Molly Salty Dog cruise. How many gigs did you guys play on that? We because they put you in multiple venues. Yeah, we right? played two shows. So the first time we played, we played kind of in a a smaller club. It would have been more like for a comedy or, right. or a small jazz band type of thing. And then you played like an outdoor stage or something like that? No, and like then that? the next time we played in a different room that was going to be more for like a full band. Right. You know, so it was basically like, let's say, a 200-cap room and like a 500-cap room. So, like if, so for people who didn't catch you the first day, they could catch you the second day. Correct, because they, like they have it set up like Warp Tour, like Riot Fest, and there's like, you know, different stages and, you know, there's... Unfortunately, unfor- yeah. Unfortunately, time. you have to you have to pick and choose who you're going to see. And so, like, if somebody's going to play, well, God, for instance, let's say, uh, well, 
I don't know. Well, like so, like an experience that I would have is they would kind of stagger the timelines on the Monsters of Rock one. Yeah, but so you could still like catch half a Tesla. Yeah, and then go to the other end of the end of the ship yeah. to s- ship to see Uli John Roth. Yeah, and then you got to like break out early to go see like Doro play or something like just that. Just like just like that. So you you never really could get and watch a full set unless you were going to sacrifice. Right. But if you did else. miss one, it would be like it'd be like oh. Um, well, I could see them tonight. I see them on Sunday. Yeah, like mm. Flogging Molly is playing in the Copacabana room tonight, oh, and they then tomorrow p- they'll be on the pool stage. You no, know they always I- played on the deck, and actually that year they played, um, they played on the beach. That's like, really cool on the on the island. They, like, they, they got a stage, and like so, there there's some people that we knew, and they had rented a cabana that was right behind the stage, so it was basically backstage, and they were just like. Hey guys, come on over and like you're only supposed to have like six or eight people at the cabana, and they just kept inviting people. And you know we were in the band, so like the staff wasn't gonna say like no right. if you want to invite these people, like cause, you know different credentials and stuff like that. And so basically we just hung out in this like three thousand dollar cabana, thanks to this dude Frank. Did you now this is this is a this is a question because this was some, an I experience. Some hash too on a private island in the middle of the fucking Bahamas. That's it pretty was tight. Weird. There, real weird. So there's something there's something that that I noticed that I kind of want to see if if maybe it's something that you noticed. Did it kind of have a petting zoo vibe to you? Like Disneyland, bubblegummy? No, like I mean, like petting zoo. Like the main thing that they kind of promote on like the Monsters of Rock cruise is it's like see all your favorite bands and hang out with them on the ship oh, so yeah. you've got like oh yeah you've got they're all walking Did around you hang out with anybody and you've got like drunk guys from like like Boston that are like yeah. running up and they're like yeah. hey hey I loved you I saw you in Boston back in 78 can I get a picture yeah and like in the men's room you know what I mean or yeah. like in the buffet line all the or weird something places like, yeah yeah like just like and so, like, part of the deal is it's like, well, we really do encourage you to mingle with the guests and, and walk around and hang out and attend events and, uh-huh. and host yeah. things. Like, they kind of put you on display. Yeah. Did you observe that going on on the Salty Dog Cruise at all? Um, Probably I not guess as the much. O- the overall concept, yes, but I don't think it, I would classify it as that. You know what I mean? Like, people would hang out. I don't think people were forced to hang out. Um. There's also Generally more speaking, injunctions ab- around hero worship in the punk rock world. Yeah. Like, if you go up and you act weird or, or fanboyish, it's like, it's almost like uncool but to do that. But like, yeah, asking for autographs yeah, is and kind actually of that, uncool. That's kind of true. Because, so, like, I'm friends with the, well, they're old ska band. They're pretty well known. So, we were hanging out with them a lot on the on the deck and just hanging out. Um a lot of people, you know, a lot of people would know who they are. You know, you would see them and not very many people would stop and like kind of fuck around. I think you just kind of get people that say, hey, like there's those people. Because at one point, man, like you have to realize that people start to realize that everybody's the same. Right. Like everybody puts their pants on the same. Everybody's butt stinks like bad. You know, but everybody's weird. Everybody has their qualms. Everybody has the. Everybody has a personality. Right, right. Everybody's their own human. You know, and you start. I think when you get that close of a quarters, if you're not being aggressive towards the, the person that you admire, you start to maybe, just see that and appreciate it, and it might even break you from them being, 
in your eyes like a, a super fan because you the, right. the, the mystery is gone. Right. But also, you can also earn a lot of fans because if they see you genuinely just hanging out with people that are fans and having a good time and the creepers are creeps but you're kind of you and the rest of the crowd are kind of kicking them to the side because the whole group's enjoying enjoying each other and but they're enjoying you being there right you know there's also something you see in the hardcore world a bit more where like Everybody's hardcore really cool. bands never pay uh call attention to their fans you know what I mean? Well, they don't. All, everybody, I would consider. It's like, hey, it's so great to be back here with all our friends. I can no, and I I would agree with that because in a sense, you know, it goes back to that conversation earlier about how the young kids come see the band. You know, the kind of crew of things. You know, if you just if you make everybody feel involved, like if everybody can have a piece of it, mm-hmm. like if everybody can be like, hey, this is my thing, and like me and my friends. So picture us as little boys. You know, if you loved my band. If the three of us loved my band, but I wasn't in the band, it was some other band, we'd all be like, fuck yeah, dude, we're all, this is us, dude. You know, right, 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 we're, right. We're doing it because we like this, and, you know, I don't do it for that, but it happens that way. That's kind of the activity the that, only we, thing that, that we gather around, that we collect around. Yeah, and the only thing that I get concerned about, or maybe that would, well, I guess it, let's say, keeps me up at night, is I know everybody, when you're young, people have no respect for other people's different taste in music it's kind of more about popularity um and so i just well and i just identitarianism yeah i just hope there's some kid out there that doesn't like my band and he's getting fucking picked on for liking my band because other people don't think it's cool you know what i mean like i'm down for him appreciating it but like that's not cool i've always said that i've always said that i want to be one of those bands that because that, that's not. That, I mean, for me, that just is, that 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 defeats my purpose. I wouldn't do it, right? If there were, you don't want to make anybody who likes your music a target. Correct, and there's no reason for anybody to think somebody's cool for things they don't like. So I like punk rock, and I play in a punk rock band. But I like Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks is a G. Yeah, I I, you know? I, I have a lot of problem with the idea. George that it's, Strait's a G. I I, I have even a problem with it being artist. cool to dislike oh, things. I love it's great. Man. You know, but I also think it's part of. I also think it's, it's part about being game. young and establishing your identity. Is you're kind of Absolutely. like you're kind of like playing operation Absolutely. and touching your tools to the side of the fucking you know you're you got to let people know who you are by what you like yep. and by what you don't like. It's kind of a young person's thing to do. Well, and this and eventually, is, hopefully, ideally, we grow out of it. I mean, I've seen a lot of a lot of sixty year old punk rockers. So. Well, it's it's quite funny how the, this conversation has just now completely come full circle because we were just talking about you know growing up and being punk rockers and like wondering like like how did that affect things or even like you going to DSA and so like we getting picked on for the things you liked in middle school mm-hmm. so later in high school so remember all that so it's coming back in that sense I think that Logan and I in the earlier part of high school were very fortunate because there was a lot of other kids by the time high school came we'd all kind of formed together and maybe we didn't all see each other all the time we didn't hang out with each other or didn't but, like know each other very yeah well, but, but 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 there was enough punk rock kids that you were just as just as much guilty by association so no none of the punk rock kids got fucked with I don't know one punk rock kid that got yeah. his ass kicked for being a punk rock kid in high school especially at Kennedy yeah. we didn't see that mm-hmm. a lot and mostly the preppy kids were afraid because there was a lot of them 
I was buying pot from a fucking kid from Swansea who happened to be a Hispanic kid that right. was in gang shit. Uh, I also like doing car, like automotive things, race car stuff. And that was like Fast and the Furious era. And so like, I was friends with all the Asian kids that were down with fucking race cars, but I liked punk rock. Yeah, yeah, and no yeah. drama. I was friends with all the drama kids and I was friends with them, A, because I like drama and B, that's how I skirted English classes. <laughs> British, British literature can take a suck a dick. It I, did. It I did. also think like some of the kids from Swansea saw that we were equally as crazy as they are. Correct. So Correct. Remember that time there was that fight by the creek and that one kid stabbed that other kid We've in the fucking head with a screwdriver? We've talked about that That shit was twice. fucked. That shit was fucked. That was intense. Yeah. For being like 17, man. No, we were 16 probably. At that. that was crazy. That was some of the crazier shit in my life that I'd ever seen. Or like when the Broncos fucking... One. Oh yeah. And everybody went fucking. See ancient. now, now that now that's 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 an important segue to this next thought. This life, dude. which is We've which is really things. which is really like, although we were fortunate that we were in an environment and there was enough of us where we didn't get like picked on oh, or, yeah. or harassed. There's by anybody, a lot of people that aren't. We also, um, because like we also had many occasions where I would say where we did behave like bullies and um, True. Yeah. and thugs. Mm -hmm. You but, know what but I mean? But that's because where we, you had the power. Every, well, that, that's, that's natural pecking order. That's natural... Not to say natural selection, but like well, and herd mentality, and correct, uh, you know, correct, mob mentality correct. type of stuff, and, and also part of being a punk rock kid is just being annoying. And so it's like if I'm going to be annoying, and then my buddy's going to be annoying, let's be extra fucking annoying. And you think I'm annoying? Oh God, you haven't seen shit yet. Well, and you you're trying, you're trying, pushing limits. It's all it is is pushing limits. You're trying to impress, knowing rules but breaking them. You're trying to impress the older generation, who realistically, and we've mentioned this before on the show are 30 plus year old chicken hawks who for some reason like hanging out with and mentoring 16 year old children you know what i mean like mm -hmm. the older the older generation of like you know like there's there's the guy who like lets you come over to his house and like ditch class and come over to his house and listen to misfits records See, you know, i didn't, buy I didn't, I didn't and do stuff. shit like that you uh, didn't get around any of the weird mm, chicken hawk dudes no so sometimes i'd hang out with the the guy the bike guys because those guys liked us because we had high school girls with us too you know what i mean yeah I get so you they're now. like yeah you get you get the high school boys over and then they uh bring the girls they, yeah, you bring the they, high school uh, girls and we got a whole new crop that of them that shit's yeah. greasy no i remember doing some at parties. the time i didn't think that it was greasy at the time greasy. i felt so cool to be accepted well, by be, yeah, right. because you're, people who are 10 years older yeah, than me yeah you know and in all actuality if a Child came up to me and tried to get me to buy beer for him. Yeah. Now, if they tried to get me to buy soda for him, I'm like, I'm not going to be involved in any transactions with you whatsoever. Yeah, so because I don't know how that's going to bite me in the ass. I want to ask you this question: Not that it hurts you or scarred you, but thinking about it as an adult now, do you think that you were? I guess you were a victim of a predator. No, it gave me. It gave me. You don't think it that gave he, me vital experience that, that I needed. But nobody like hindsight, ever, hindsight, you don't think that he was doing it because because he was a predator. Well, I think that there were people who were predators. I think that there were definitely older guys yeah. who bullied us. Yeah. Who now, in retrospect, I look back and I'm like, this grown man put his hands on me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Not like he touched mm -hmm. me sexually or anything like that, but like. 
dudes roughing you up at shows yeah, and stuff like that, that or telling you the way that it is or whatever yeah. like like trying to go listen here sonny and let me tell you how it is like any of that shit like it's like dude you were like these are like dudes who were grown fucking men yeah. or like people yeah people had been to like prison who should, who should known better yeah they should have known better that's not something that I would do now. And Absolute, if I if I not. had a peer who was my age, and I knew was doing that, we would probably be like, "That's a fucking weird guy that like yeah. runs around with the sixteen year olds." There you know used to I mean? be this guy mm. that lived in my neighborhood that would, uh, oh, he'd smoke weed under that bridge at Wadsworth. Oh, and, like, nothing like a dude who smokes weed under that a bridge. Dude's name? Uh, under the bridge at Wadsworth? Yeah, by Yale, by the Lazy Boy, dude. <laughs> by Yale, by the Lazy Boy. Yeah, under that, he would get drunk and shit down there. God, what was his name? <laughs> he was just like a crazy Bear Valley character? Or yeah, what? dude. Like, he was, I, I'm sure he was schizophrenic. But that's, okay. Like, but we, like, we'd go hang out with that guy sometimes just under the bridge because he'd have beers or, like, liquor and let us take shots or, or like, Terry behind the bowling alley. We've mentioned Terry, bowling alley Terry before. Which, which bowling alley? Green alley. Gables bowling alley. Did you ever go to Jesus. Green Gables before? Green Gables, where was it? It was Green behind, Gables. uh, Pirate Records or whatever. Oh, behind, over by Target. Yeah, right, yeah. right by, right by the Green Gables apartments where like Nick, yeah. uh, Nick Sandoval used to live yeah. and shit like that. And like I think Mike Heck lived there for a little bit and a few other people. But just north of that, there was the Green Gables bowling alley, and back behind that was an apartment complex where this old drunk named Terry lived, and <laughs> he like his kids didn't talk to him, <coughs> so you could go over to Terry's place, and as long as you were willing to. Hold his hand while he cried. He'd buy you all the booze you fucking, fucking wanted, dude. In retrospect, in retrospect, is fucking weird. weird. That's crazy. And, That's crazy. And like he my would, parents would, knew would, about Terry. Well, didn't that one girl's grandma always buy you guys liquor too? Oh yeah. Oh, uh, Kayla. <laughs> yeah, Kayla's grandma. <laughs> yeah. We'd go, no, her mom did. Know. Kayla's her grandma did, was yeah. just like sliding into senility, and we just we would hang out in the basement. Kind of then I felt like you sent the quiet. crazy lady in the car, and she just went to go buy liquor, and then you guys. Partied. Dude, there was tons of that. You'd, you'd go get a that. glass of water from the kitchen. And wow. She'd be like, "Don't you yeah. boys have water in your own house?" And be like, uh, <laughs> "Hey, grandma, <laughs> you ever had sex in the shower?" I've done that. I've done that. Best part. So it reminds me, we'd go to Colt Varney's house. And we walk in the door, and they were they were uh, pretty strict families, but they were loose. And first thing, first time I ever walked into his dad's house, his dad goes, "What's up, you fucking dirt bags?" I'm like, uh. He was I like te Colt. testing you. I was like, what do we do? Colt and I are friends on Facebook, and I, I think he, I made him mad the uh, not too long ago because he was taking this picture and he was like on the beach, uh -huh. and he had. Massive amounts of tattoos on his upper body and no tattoos on his legs. And I was just like, dude, you need to get tattoos on your legs. You look weird. <laughs> and he had no comments. And I was he, just like, in my I was just making a joke, dude. Yeah. I mean, Ho whatever. hope you're still cool. He, uh, well, he came to my show. Yeah. With grade two. And yeah, he's like, Real fancy chef, you know, some corporate, yeah, some, corporate, some, cor some corporate chef or something, and seems to be doing well. But that's neither here nor yeah. there. Well, let's take. He, he, yeah, is, let's he is the nephew of uh, Jim Varney, Ernest P. Horrell. No fucking way! No way! No, dude, he's not. that now his face looks totally different he in could my be. mind. Dude. I don't he's know that he really. He looks. No oh no, I don't no, no. So. No, I think he is because he looks like I if Dexter Holland from The Offspring and Jim Varney had a baby. 
No. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's got like that bleach blonde uh, hair and then like that goofy fucking know what I mean? Burn face, uh, you know? <laughs> oh. So yeah. That's how Let's cold take Barney's a cold I do want to say that if we if MF Ruckins Ruckus the MF is, Ruckins is the Jetsons, Gordo is our Rosie the robot. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. da- and damn sexy she is. I, I really don't know what that means, but I'll take no, it. No, you, you don't like cartoons. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Okay. It's a living. So oh, Rosie, God. Rosie the robot on the Jetsons, like the mom and dad, like were there, like, but she like held the shit together. She was like, yeah, uh, she picked up our mess. She was like the lady on the Brady Bunch. Welcome to oh, Astro's see. And, and she was like Ambie Davis yeah, on I, the I knew who the ro- I knew who the character was. I just uh, I was like, in what context am I? Uh, and then uh, that yeah. fucking dumb <laughs> Astro dog shitting <laughs> all over the place. Welcome. Welcome to Astro's Kennel, the one and only Jetsons fan show on the interwebs. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. There's probably a ton of podcasts about the Jetsons. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. Bye. Right, bye. bye. give a quick shout out to our sponsors first and foremost our most venereal nay venerable sponsor matula plumbing matula displains illinois shit rolls downhill don't be at the bottom your number two is our number one priority your shit is our bread and butter (laughs) i love that shit rolls downhill don't bite your fingernails Angie's List, Super Service Award winner back in 2011. 2011. The only year that matters. After that, it got all political, you know. He'll wear the booties for you. That's the year when Yelp came online. Yeah, yeah. Have plum, will travel. Jerry Matula. Oh, uh, Jay Party Lord sent me a drawing of... It's pretty hilarious. He's like, he's like, do you think Jerry would like this? Because Jay Party Lord is a huge fan of Jerry Matula. Just because he likes the Matula plumbing bit on the sponsors section. Oh yeah, which which is great. Like he he was when he came on the show, he was like, "I'm looking forward to that more than anything." Like <laughs> the the Matula plumbing shout out, and so he drew this. It's a toilet with a plunger sticking out of it, and it just says Matula in like the Metallica font, and <laughs> then it just says Jerry up your ass. He's like, "Do you think do you think Jerry will find this funny?" I'm like, "The man whose business card." Has a cemetery full of toilets that says Master of Poopers. Yes, I think he'll find it enjoyable. <laughs> so uh, if you're in the Des Plaines, Illinois, Des Plaines, Illinois area, give Jerry Matula a call and tell him the boys sent you. Master of Poopers. Master of Poopers, that's right. Uh, Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios. Shout out to Kate Innes, the uh, matron, madam, and, uh, and... And manager. And manager. There you go. Of the musical menagerie that is Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, 2712 Larimer Street in the Rhino District of Denver. Hourly rehearsal spaces, uh, fully equipped. They strive for excellence. They keep clean rooms and good equipment. And actually, uh, man, she's you heard on the last episode, she's like looking to just focus on Larimer because she wants to make that as perfect as it can be. And it's a great place. And it's a great place. Uh, Rocket Space, you ain't got to carry shit. Evergroove Studio in Evergreen, Colorado. Uh, beautiful, 
location, state-of-the-art equipment. They're actually getting a new board in there soon. Brad's trying to sell his old board, which there was nothing wrong with in the first place. Yeah, what's 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 he getting? I don't know. He's getting something wicked. He's getting a new console in there. And um, he actually, Brad is the type of guy that, like, mixes on the go. Like, when he has something to do with Itch.io, he takes his in-ear monitors, he takes his, like, digital cons like his digital like travel console and he mixes records while he's traveling that's how committed that guy is that's amazing he's the fucking man uh go see him about your next project solar powered solar power by the way in case that's a concern of yours it was number one on our list that's evergroove studio check it out the whole place is solar powered yeah no shit they just mastered granny tweed's record yay that's really cool. Solar, it was solar. Like mastering. you could hear the sun. You could hear. You could literally hear the difference if you if you have just plain old alternating current. Yeah, yeah. Alternating current uh, mastering really? is very different. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like no fucking shit. Really? You shouldn't have asked me, Andrew. Absolutely. You shouldn't have asked no. me. <laughs> go see. Go wow. see Brad about your next project. Uh, let's see. Oh, Mutiny Information Cafe at 2 South Broadway. This is, of course, a mutiny transmission. Mutiny Information Cafe books, records, comic books, coffee, amazing coffee. Like, like they studied at the Peaberry's Monastery to learn how to make coffee when they were young men. They know a lot. Dude, they know like a scary amount of coffee. Like, they're like coffee snobs. It's pretty wild. They have lots of cereal, too. Yeah, they have tons of cereal. They're also your local Topo Chico dealer. They are the local Topo Chico dealer. They also have the largest of... Nobody has a larger selection of Torini syrups. Nobody. Uh, Live events. And um, they have a media service division. So we are part of that. And then they also do podcasts and live streams out of their studio in the basement. They do magic shows. they They do film showings. They do all sorts of crazy shit. Stop on by... And uh, tell them the boy sent you. Let's see. What am I? What am I missing here? Oh, uh, the Nug Nation. Yeah. The motherfucking podcast is recorded here at the Nug Nation Studios at an undisclosed location Which, somewhere in the heart of Rhino. It's quite fascinating. It's it's a really cool place. I, I was blown away. I took you on the tour. Did you like it? It was a good tour. It's pretty neat. Except you jumped ahead and you went to the end of the tour first. Well, I didn't pay you, so yeah. Well, you got it. You got to finish with the humidor full of nugs. You that was. The, I mean, that was self, super cool. Self-guided tour. <laughs> well, yeah. I had to pee, and then I started wandering, and you know. We haven't made the app for the self-guided tour this, yet. Either. This place is super cool. Like when you, you go to, make, to need to make like a, an MP3 that just plays for like three minutes. Dude, have you ever been to um, Alcatraz? No. They have they have the guided tour that's like it's like yeah. a little hip pack that you put on. Yeah. And it's it's like please proceed on the route, and then you get there, and then there's like sound effects, and it's like cool. it's like lunch in the cafeteria could be a real wild time, and da da da, see, and you know there's like little harmonica noises, and it's like Al Capone stayed here, very see? old school. Yeah, it's yeah. funny, it's corny as hell, but it's a lot of fun. I recommend checking it well, out. You learned something because you're kind of reciting it back. Yeah, so it was worth it. My favorite part was going into the showers and just. Imagining all the old felonious balls and butts that were there before us as we waited in line. Hmm. Alcatraz Tours, San Francisco, California. That could be a new album title. What? Alcatraz Tours? Felonious Butts. Felonious Butts? (laughs) 
It's my jazz album. Um, oh fuck, I forgot who I was even giving a shout out to. That was. Uh, have we we haven't we haven't done the patrons yet, but did I? Not. Right. Did, oh, thenugnation.com. Uh, make sure to check out all the Nugs and all their crazy, wacky adventures through the town of Nugville. See Bong Burgundy's interviews with uh, rap legends like Afro Man and Red Man and Jaron Benton. That was my one of my favorites. And my absolute favorite was Nappy Roots. Those guys are badass. Uh, I was supposed to do Waka Flocka at some point. Hopefully we get him on. That dude was nice as hell, by the way. I met him. He is gigantic, for one. Wow. And two... He's, like, doing all his promo shots and, like, looking tough and hard and scary like gangster rap dude. But then off camera, he's just, like, going on about how this little boy is coming around his house trying to hang out with his daughter and he doesn't like it. Like, he's just, like, he's just like this is a 15-year-old boy coming around my house trying to hang out with my daughter. And, and my daughter's like, oh, we're just friends. He's just being nice. And I'm like, yeah, I know what he's after. You know, it's just like hearing. You know him, what that's all about. Yeah, just hearing him be a dad is was very fun. Anyway, you got to give him credit credit for being bold enough to probably take the ass whooping. Yeah, dude, the dude who like comes around. Yeah, it's, not, it's not like house. you're trying to date Rick Moranis's daughter, <laughs> <laughs> which might be worse. Rick yeah. Moranis, I think, might have powerful friends. Yeah, you know, but. he he disappeared for the limelight for for a while. Who knows <laughs> I think I shrunk the dick. <laughs> micro penis. Uh, yeah, ah! micro penis. Lots of dad jokes and yep. penis jokes right here. Yep. Uh, and last but certainly most is uh, all the people who back us via a small monthly contribution on patreon.com slash mfruckus. Um, our patrons uh, help us make all the shit that we do. They help us make our podcast. They help us print t-shirts with Andrew. Uh, they help us put out videos. They help us demo and write songs and buy plane tickets to get Tony to and from gigs. Like really, uh, our patrons' comp- uh, contribution does everything. And uh, in exchange, and uh, as a token of our appreciation, we give early access to content. Uh, you basically see the band feed before any like like the band sees what's going on and then the patrons see what's going on and then maybe the rest of the world will find it out eventually but they get access to everything we have vip parties with beer and food all sorts of cool shit um our patrons make the world go round so thank you so much guys to learn more go to patreon.com slash mf ruckus so uh so i wanted to i wanted to thank you yeah. For coming. I wanted to ask you a question before you get cereal. All right. Ask me a question before I get cereal. Does, like, you or Logan do weird lewd cosplay photos on your MF Ruckus Patreon? Because that might be a little uh, little much. What? Weird cosplay photos? Yeah, like, so, like, you dress like up. Erotica? Like erotica? Yeah. Like cosplay erotica? I don't know. Like, I just know that a lot of people on Patreon, they kind of... Self, uh, self brand. Wait, do you wait? What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> like, are people no? Are, so, like, on Patreon, like, uh, you can buy people's art, you can support their, you, music yeah, you, you, you basically are like supporting, yeah, whatever if you, art like, that if you like feet, you could fucking support somebody's feet and they'll just send you weird pictures of their feet. Like, if you like, is uh, there an adult side to Patreon? I have no clue. I'm sure they're on the back end. Why wouldn't there be? 
That's a very good question. You know, like if you're paying for it, you know what content you're getting. I don't know if you what would. What are ne- their guidelines? I don't know about that. Kind well, of I just assume. So I'm not even. Now speak- that's now that's I'm not interesting. Even speaking from true knowledge, that's interesting because several people abandoned Patreon, and the reason why they abandoned it is because Kickstarter's easier. No, because bad um, joke. Patreon has. Uh, they have. They don't have. They don't have. They, they don't have limitless uh, free speech um, built into their their guidelines. Like basically, if you do something that upsets people and they determine it to be some kind of speech that doesn't meet their terms and conditions, they'll kick you off the platform. Gotcha. And so there. Well, have, I mean, but with just cause, I mean, sometimes sometimes there's those scenarios where like. Yeah, but if if it's if it's a subscription service where people True. are following you because they support your stuff, and I am a firm believer in the primacy of free speech. Yep. That I think that if you, someone says something you don't like it, you just stop supporting them. You just pull out your contribution. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I I personally feel like or they were if you pull someone off a platform, if you de- if you pull someone off a platform. It's kind of a way of enforcing your ideological bent. No, that's true. Personally. And uh, also, they do it in, they, they had done it in kind of a knee jerk way, I guess. Uh-huh. But, and so a bunch of the people who were on Patreon who were more like podcasters and, and thought avatars and things like that, like philosophers, you saw a lot of people kind of pull out of Patreon. Sam Harris pulled out of it. Um, uh, Jordan Peterson pulled out of it, like a handful of other people pulled out just in solidarity of people who had been taken off the platform. Interesting. So, yeah. So, but I'm interested in this idea that there's like a dark Patreon where now there is an adult content thing that um, well, maybe that's you it. have to check. So maybe that's it. Like you basically like when you are setting up your page, you have to click this checkbox that says if your stuff is adult content. Yeah. And if it is, it's not searchable on the platform. Gotcha. Like you, you, you have, have to, to know subs- it's there. Gotcha. So, so maybe that's it. I, I, we, I listen to a lot of like, uh, kind of, I'll just put weird, whatever talk kind of stuff on. I'll listen to radio, uh, and somehow it came up. I don't even remember where and when, but yeah, no, I believe it. I'm it sure there's like the memory and I'm sure there's like some dominatrix video channel that like has a very active Patreon and they're like if you subscribe to my channel at the $100 a month level I'll send you some of my butt hair waxings Three like you girls, know girls one cup. Yeah. <laughs> we'll send you the cup. Ooh. Yeah, no. Uh, Sad. So to answer your question, no, there is no cosplay weird erotica on our I was Patreon just, page. So when I said that, I was hoping you... I, I, I thought this was common knowledge and I was late to the game. So apparently I'm not. <laughs> oh, so I would be. you thought I would be like, oh yeah, definitely. That's yeah, the only like way I was, I was just doing it more of like in a joking manner. <laughs> you know, like, hey, you doing that? And you'd be like, ah, yep, we sure are. And then we'd move on. Oh, but it turned on into a whole discussion. It's, yeah, none of it. Yeah, none of it. Became well, fun. okay. Um, so, so first of all, like I was saying, I'm really glad that you decided to come on. Oh, yeah, and especially because you had to remind me that you were on the books. Hey, that's pretty good because I called you very distracted. Oh, absolutely. And so, let's, rightfully so. So, let's let's give some of the background here. Um, 
And, you know, it, we're, we're going to get a little heavy and we're going to get a little graphic and it might take some some dark uh, philosophical turns. So if that's not your bag, you know, you can you can skip this episode of the podcast and go to another one of our, like, boner joke fests. You know what I mean? But, um, but yeah. Uh, oh, just um, the one up top there. Yeah. Just loosen it. And then there you go. I'm sorry. I hit the mic and yeah, yeah. I'm kind of a klutz. That's okay. I'm not allowed to have nice things. That's so. okay. Um, yeah. Hope so, you have insurance. So a little over a week ago, uh, my younger brother passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very sudden. It was very much, it was sudden, but not a surprise. I understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. He had had uh, he had had type one diabetes. Like I think he got diagnosed two thousand nine. So I, I when I made the original post, I said most of his life. So it hadn't been most of his life, but it had been pretty much his entire adult life. Well, how long did he have it before he was diagnosed? Did they think? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing you know, is because you could. It's not like you walk in the door and you got right. You know what I mean, like, right? Did you have it? I talked. Was I it talked a year, to friends. Years, like he didn't even know. You know. No, I talked to some friends of his. One of his friends told me that he remembers telling him, "Like, dude, you look jaundiced as fuck. You got to get to the hospital." And then that's when he, you know, he found out he gotcha. You know, he he had type one diabetes, and I'm still learning a lot about it. And yeah. In fact, for years, I told people that he had type two di- diabetes because I didn't know the difference. Yeah, you know, but he was Two's the one that you live with, you're born with. Yeah, he was he was insulin dependent. Yeah. And the prognosis for that isn't great. No. Um, it's it's pretty much pretty much you know and you try and live in denial with the knowledge that you are probably not going to live to be an old man. No. Yeah, you don't because it's a lot even if you did you wouldn't physically probably be able to manage right. manage yourself to care for yourself. Because it's a lot of work to care for yourself. It, it's it's a lot of care and it's it, it takes major lifestyle changes yeah. just to be able to keep up on your feet. Yep. And sh- so shortly after my brother was diagnosed, yeah. he um he got married. Oh good. Uh, for like in 2010 right before before right before I got married the first time. Yeah. Um my brother surprised us all by announcing that he was getting married at the courthouse on December 7th, uh, 2009, Mm -hmm. on Pearl Harbor Day, and his joke was it was a surprise attack. That was my that was my brother's joke. Is he and his That's, he and his fiance went down to the courthouse and they got married. Uh-huh. In some ways, I think he kind of did it just to like stick it to me and be like be like, yeah, I know you're getting married in the spring, but you know, mm-hmm. man, here you go. But also in the same respect, maybe he didn't want to just hurry up and get it done with as to not yeah, no, as to not interfere. Definitely, that was definitely his personality. My brother or was, try and make it. You know, it was your deal. My brother Brian was very contrarian by nature he was very he could even at the extremes be adversarial in ways like whereas i was the type of person who would tell my mom what she wanted to hear to get her off my back and then go do what i wanted to do anyways yeah my brother was more the type who would engage with her directly and be like no that no that's not gonna happen you know what i mean like he would he would kind of tell her straight up um so yeah so he at, at a certain point he and his uh, he and his now wife or then wife um, they had made plans to move to upstate New York 
to put themselves in position to be able to inherit um, this house over in Canada that belonged to her family. Okay. So my family helped pack them up, moved them across the country to upstate New York, and within, I want to say, a few months, like very quickly, they the relationship fell apart. Okay. And so my brother spent the better part of a decade kind of bouncing around upstate New York, ended up in Detroit for a little while, really just like kind of off being on his own. I think he always kind of had this this feeling of being like the lost child a little bit. And okay. so he kind of like put some geographical distance to to uh, match the metaphysical distance he might have felt yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. In, in his life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he spent a lot of time out there, and those years of his life are kind of in the dark <laughs> for us. Because he would come back and visit for the holidays, yeah, and yeah. He'd, he'd tell me little things here and there. You know, we'd talk about Detroit, and we'd talk about New York. But, he, but you don't know the day-to-day. We, we don't know the day-to-day. We don't know what his life is really like. But he's he's coming back, and he's getting skinnier and skinnier. <laughs> and, and another important thing to mention is that my brother was mostly straight edge. Okay. Like, from, like, high school up until he got diagnosed my brother was straight edge he had you know he has the three x's on him and everything and played in hardcore bands and hung out at socks place and did all that shit yeah and a lot of it admittedly was because you know he had seen what a fucking wasteoid i was for so long and you know had seen that there had been some history of uh, alcohol abuse in our family and kind of wanted to move away from that and also just again contrarian a little adversarial wanted to establish his identity in in certain ways yeah and i guess after he got diagnosed a lot of that went out the window and he and i had been had been estranged for several years and then you know we kind of buried the hatchet on that and we started to have a relationship again and he was trying to try to get into welding for a while and tried to get into cultivating weed for a while mm-hmm. you know he was trying to use weed as medicine to help help with his illness mm-hmm. and then weed kind of started um weed kind of started not working the way he would have wanted it to. It kind of gave him anxiety and made his heart race and things like this. Yeah. And all along, he's physically degenerating before our eyes. You know, he's getting thinner. He's beginning to have like really bad crashes and he has these mood swings. You know what I mean? Where he yeah. will just like become like really, really crabby, you know, and like almost like like angry and mean because of, you know, because his blood sugar's fucked up and he's in pain. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and again, my brother was a smart man. He can read the writing on the wall. He can do the math. I can't imagine what it's like to be in that pain and also to realize that you are not going, you are likely not to live to a ripe old age. Yeah. You know, it's hard to establish a meaningful identity for yourself when that is the reality for you. Yeah. And um, so over the last couple of years, his health began to decline, you know, due to a lot of factors. You know, first of all, he's sick. Mm-hmm. Second of all, he's self-medicating with, with alcohol and other substances. Yeah. And he's, you know, of course, he's craving sugar. 
So he's just like eating ice cream and pancakes and shit like that. And, you know, we kept talking to him and kept talking to him. And, and over the last couple of years, he was getting hospitalized. Like he was going into insulin shock and yeah. being hospitalized with a, a greater frequency. And, you know, one of the last times I talked to him, I went and saw him in the hospital. And I was like, I was like, dude, if you don't do something, you're not going to get to see your nephew grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I can't. I can't impress enough the seriousness of this. And, you know, his friends are trying to talk to him. And, and you know, to be fair, and I said this to him in the hospital, you know, he was a 32-year-old young man. He was really, like, playing in bands and partying. He was really doing stuff that I did way worse at 32. Yeah. Only he can't do it because his body won't allow him to do it. Yeah. And so there was, and then he's trying to keep up with it, right? And there were a lot of friends who were trying to help him out, and you know, I'm hearing from Brian used to work at Fire on the Mountain where I work, mm-hmm. and eventually was let go because his health made it so that he would miss a lot of work. Oh, you know, if you have an insulin crash, yeah, even if you're not, even when he wasn't drinking or doing any of that yeah. stuff, if you have an insulin crash, it's a lot like you are, oh yeah, um, drunk. So yep. you can't shake him awake. You you know he's stumbling around, looking like he's drunk. You're giving him you know, orange juice, trying to regulate his his blood sugar. You know he would collapse and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so they you know eventually it was really hard for them, but they had to they had to let him go. He always spoke well of him. Yeah. You know he always said, yeah. "I understand." You know I love that company. I love the people there. He lived with a couple of the guys that worked in the kitchen. Yeah. Eventually, I end up getting hired there. And. Um, and so, you know, there was always kind of this unspoken thing under the surface that all of us were waiting for the call. Yeah. We didn't think it would be that soon. Yeah. But we were all we were all hoping that he would turn it around and the call would come much further down the line. Yeah. But it came very suddenly. I'm at work. His roommate works in the kitchen, comes up to me. He says, he says, hey, man, um, I have you heard or talked to your brother in a couple days? Like, we haven't heard or seen him, and his door's been locked. Hmm. They thought it had been locked at the time. And I said, if you haven't seen him in a couple of days and that door is locked, then you need to go pick that lock and open that door. Unknown to me, my dad is on the phone with his girlfriend, this roommate's girlfriend, and she's telling him the same thing, and he is saying, you need to go kick that door in. Yeah. Well, she goes through the door, and it's unlocked. It's just been closed. And she went in, and she found it. So literally five minutes later, the kitchen manager, I'm training this girl, this new girl, and literally five minutes later, I hear, Aaron, we got to talk. And I look, I remember looking at her and going, uh-oh, that sounded serious. You know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, trying to joke around and whatnot. He takes me out back, and, you know, by the way, Rod, if you ever hear this, man, big shout out to you. Like, I really hate that you had to be the one to tell me that. And Jamie, I'm really sorry that you had to be the one to go into that room. I hope I hope you hear this. If not, I will tell you when I see you this weekend. Um, and uh, so Rod, the kitchen manager, took me aside and says, you know, hey, man, we just got the call. They found your brother. And I go, what do you mean you found my brother? 
Go, he's was gone. he missing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, like, they're like, he's gone. He's, he's dead. And so, you know, of course I fall apart. I'm calling everybody. Yeah. But it's like that thing when you get news like that, you still have to exchange information with the key players. Yeah. So it's like I call my dad and we're like crying and then talking. Yeah. So it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. So, okay, I'll meet you up there. All right, we'll see you up there in a little bit. Like, you have to, like, keep going between yep. these these states yep. and kind of, like, it's almost like driving a clutch in some ways, you know? You got to, like, kind of go back and forth with it. So I get over there. I get there. The police are there, you know. They're, you know, his roommate's very upset. You know, the, the girl who found him is, is, is very, very upset. Oh, I'm sure. You know. And uh, and so I'm kind of hanging out and, and getting the information. And then one by one, you know, the victim's advocate lady who shows up. We, this is an interesting thing, too, that I noticed. Nobody knows how to talk about this shit. Nobody knows what to say. Even the victim's advocate seemed, even the, like, police on the scene, even the coroner. It just seemed like nobody knows what to say in that situation because there is nothing to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so then, you know, one by one, people start showing up. My mom calls and uh, she goes, she goes, okay, we're almost there. Are you there? I said, I said, yeah, I'm here. You know, Adrian and Andy just showed up. We're just waiting on you and dad. The coroner's here. And she goes, oh, so he really is dead. And I go, yeah, mom, he really is dead. She thought it was like maybe a joke. Maybe, well, or, or like, maybe another collapse. Yeah. Because he missed yeah. Thanksgiving this year. Oh. Because he had a crash. Bummer. He spent all day Christmas sick in bed because hmm. he had a crash. He um, missed Father's Day. And my dad went over to his house and found him on the bathroom floor. Jesus. And he had fractured his skull. And... Um, and his skin was cold, you know, like, and I, and since then a friend of his has shared text messages, like my brother recounting this to him and being like, Hey, I, I want to live. I want to do what I need to do to get this right. You know, I've yeah. got a nephew here. I'm really yeah. trying to, to get it sorted out. And I mean, it, it, it's just one of those things where, um, where, you know, I believe that he had every tension, intention in the world. I don't think that it was a constant form of passive suicide. Yeah. But there was definitely probably an element of that in some of his behavior. I understand. You know, leading up to it. But I do think, I do <coughs> think it was legitimately not something that he planned on happening. No. You know what I mean? I think, like everybody, he knew it would be probably... Sooner than later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same scenario. New consciously. Yeah. Everybody kind of feels that. Right. And um, so coroner breaks it down to us, you know, says, says, uh, you know, it's looks like he had all I can tell at this point is it looks like a diabetic episode. Looks like he collapsed his, his bed and he passed away. It looks like he's been gone about a day. And they're like, we're going to set him up on the gurney. Do you want to see him? And, you know, my dad, who's, you know, got tears in his eyes. and But my dad's also a retired cop. Yeah. So he's, like, talking to everybody very – like, he knows the protocol. He knows the standard operating procedure. So he's, like, goes into cop mode and starts doing his thing yeah. while he's also very upset. 
We go in, and this is the weirdest fucking thing. And anybody who has like lost someone direct, like close to them directly, can attest to this. We go in the house, and they've got him in a bag that is designed to look like a cheap suit. Have you seen this? You've seen it, Gordo? The 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 cheap suit bag? No. It's like, it's almost like it, it's got pockets, and it's got a fake rose in it. Like it looks like it is designed to be like, like they're churching it up. And then like in my head at the time, I'm thinking like, why don't you all dress up in clown costumes and load him up into an ice cream truck? That's their you know normal, what I mean? That's the normal protocol. Yeah. It's it because like, I guess like body bags freak people out. Mm-hmm. So they like dressed up the body bag. Like we're supposed to forget that we're like looking at somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah, or so the bystanders say, "Oh, that man's just going out on a stretcher." <laughs> yeah, that 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 well dressed man is just—he's going to dinner on a stretcher, and he's very tired. So yeah, that's weird. You know, I... we go in and we gather around, and I'm um, I'm initially very angry. I'm yeah. angry with him. Why were you angry with him? I'm angry with I, I was just angry, angry at the situation. I was angry it got at the situation. Point. Well, and because. You know, I, I love my brother. Absolutely. And I'm angry at him for not not being able to get his health in order so that he could live yeah. and suffer for yeah. another 20 years yeah. with us. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's like, God damn it, you prick. Like, like you'll suffer with the rest of us and you'll like it. You yeah, know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's this, this selfish, angry, like petulant part of me, right? And we go in. Are you angry because you feel like he gave up? Well, and I'm, and I'm angry. Not ang- to say he gave up, but his soul In some up. ways. Like, and His and, spirit gave up. And I'm angry with the situation. I'm angry with the formality of the, the victim's advocate. Yeah. I, and even though she was a very sweet lady and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate you. You know, you have a very hard job. You know, Sarah worked for the I bank forever, you know, yeah. and worked for the pathology lab. So I know it's a very hard job. Yeah. And, and I, so I wasn't angry with her, but I was angry by the formality of it all. I was, I was, yeah, I was just, I was angry I, by the pro angry by the protocol. I was angered by the fucking clown suit, you know, like all that shit. And then we go in, and I see him, and he didn't look much different because he was he was so sick. You got to understand, yeah, like yeah. he lost so much weight. He was rail thin for the last you know last five years. How tall was he? My brother was probably about a head taller than I am. He was he was probably about as tall you? as my dad. Probably like six foot six two something like that. How he was much a pretty did tall guy. I mean, God, I don't know. He was he was skinny, man. Yeah. He was skinny, and he and he and he was clearly unhealthy. Yeah. And we go in, and everybody's kind of gathered around, and my mom is just so stoic about the whole thing, you know. And I talk mm-hmm. to her about it, and she's like, she's like, I knew this was coming. She's like, you know, I I lived with him for a long time I knew you know after after the third or so time we went to the hospital yeah. I knew that this was coming she's like I've been kind of saying my goodbyes to myself you know throughout all of this yeah. and so we go around and and there's this thing that that kind of weirded me out is 
it's almost like you short circuit in your brain a little bit. So all these different types of thoughts keep coming up and you assume that when something like that is going to happen to you. Well, you play out every scenario basically. Well, right. But, and, and you, you like assume when you're imagining something like that happening that it would be a different way. that you would be solely focused on falling apart and just be grief stricken. Yeah. And then when your mind starts going all these different places and you don't feel it the way that you think you're going to feel it. And there's the shock, it kind of short circuits. And then there's almost this like narrative that feels bad and is like shaming you for not feeling worse in yeah. the moment. You know yeah. what I mean? And then I get there and I get inside and the anger just melts away and I just bury my face in his chest and I just over and over again screamed, I'm so sorry. Because I was sorry that I felt like I failed him. I was sorry for his suffering. I was sorry for the loss of dignity of being dead for an entire day before someone found him. Before anybody knew. I was sorry I was sorry that it was so hard for him for so very long. Mm -hmm. I was just sorry for all of it. And it just so happened, Sarah and I had booked a couple days up at Valley View Hot Springs. Okay. And um, do you know what Valley View Hot Springs is? Gordo, do you know what Valley View is? I'm not familiar. So it's out in the San Luis Valley. If you you get on 285 and you go out, Past almost Alamosa. You go past Buena Vista, you pass through this town called Villa Grove. Yeah. And if you hit the sand dunes, you've gone too far. Okay. If you hit Moffat, Colorado, or the sand dunes, you've done, gone too far. Okay. Up off of County Road GG, okay. there is a place called Moffat, Colorado. Yeah. Which is mostly just like big, wide open spaces yep. that lead up to the mountains, kind of like the foothills. Mm-hmm. And there's no. There's no um, animal restrictions there, really. So you got people got horses and cattle and pigs yeah. and and you know ostrich. There's a gator farm up the street a little yeah, ways. Yeah, there's a gator farm. Yeah, up the there. gator farm up there, which yep. you know we've gone to a bunch of times. And then up there in the hills, on an old mining trust, on an old mining land trust, uh-huh. like in some sort of re- reclamation efforts, oh, you know, springs. decades ago, these fucking hippies built this like garden of eden cool. clothing optional oh really yeah, oh dude cool. yeah dude you like when we were getting ready when because this was ransom balls well dude this was ransom's first camping trip yeah well he don't know no better about being well naked. well right right but and we knew it was going to be fun for him yeah but um but i told him i was like you are going to see flowers and you're going to see bugs and you're going to see bats and you're yeah. going to see beautiful sunsets and you are going to see a hippie bush the size of a bearskin rug. Like, it's going to be it's going to be fun. So we get up there, and a hippie bush the size. It's of this a it's rug. this weird thing because it's like one. I'm grieving super hard. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. But the way I look, like Sarah was like, "Do you want to cancel?" And I'm like, "Absolutely not. We need We're to get out of the this. city." We need to go be little, be in a Clark Griswold mentality where it's like we're fucking doing it. Well, and like, and no it's, matter what, we're doing it. I don't know if I really want to do it, but we're doing it. Well, and it's kind of a sacred place. Yeah. It's kind of a it's kind of a medicinal ground. Yeah. And I knew that it would be a good place to go meditate and 
and decompress and, and fall put apart yourself together and fall apart yeah. every few hours. Yeah. You know, which really it was. I had to take a lot of phone breaks. Like Sarah made me shut my phone off a lot. Oh yeah. Cuz you know you're just reading comments on Facebook and just messages and texts and missed calls and all these people who are just, you know, just this huge outpour of support, which was amazing in and of itself. To anybody listening who sent anyone from my family messages or or comments of condolences, like, you guys are amazing. It was really beautiful, and it, and it all meant a lot to all of us. But on top of that, we've also got a four-month-old yeah. on his first trip, and although it was super fun and there's a ton of beautiful stuff... He's getting overstimulated. He doesn't want to take naps because there's so much stuff going yep. on. So, you know, he the last night we were there, he had a big meltdown. Mm. There's, like, our air mattress had this gigantic hole in it. And, Bummer. like, you know, and so, like, we're sleeping on just, like, hard ground and stuff. And, and, so, and then we're just having regular couple struggles colored by the fact that there's... Yeah. Those things going on. You're both on. frustrated at the situation you're in, and you're kind of being right. frustrated towards each other right. just because you both can't do anything about it. Right. So that's all going on. And at the same time, I'm trying to coordinate with my family, and I'm spending a lot of time thinking about what I want the celebration of life to look like. Mm-hmm. And what I decided while we were up there, and I ended up like – there, there, like I ended up just having a conversation with a naked dude named Tony up in one of the pools. Cool. Who Old like guy? he was a he was a probably in his forties. All right. So, so he, he was, and I he, he and learned. I end up having this conversation, and it leads to conversation about like Hayoka sweat lodges, and he tell you know introduces the term Wakan to me to like okay. talk about the sacredness of the land and. We start talking about life and death and fatherhood and all these different things. And it's very profound discussion. Mm -hmm. And I left there with just this, like, this drive to – this is what I told my parents when I got home. As I walked in, and I came in a little – I came in a little hot, and I came in a little intense. You know, I go over to the house. Everybody's got glasses of wine and drinks in their hand, and friends and neighbors and family members are – like kind of doting on everybody and everybody's kind of falling apart every couple of minutes. And because I've had two days in this like sacred energy and have like been processing on my own, I come in and I'm like, I don't have a lot in terms of resources, materially speaking. What I do have is a lifetime of contacts and experience arranging events. Yeah. And I was like, I really want to put myself into a celebration of life that Brian would be proud of, for one. Mm -hmm. For two, one that would provide a space for people to come and, and grieve and laugh and cry and do all that stuff. Where it isn't some stuffy chapel with some stranger reading off of some script. Talking about somebody they don't know. Right, and then... Paper plates with fucking crackers and and Lunchables. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted it to be something real. And third, we got really serious about raising money for diabetes research. Yeah. So I came in and I just immediately took my folks around the yard 
And I'm just like, I want to set up a stage here. I want to set up a PA here. I want to do a live stream of it for his friends who are out of town. I want to set up tents and shelters here, seats for the old people. I want to put people up here. I want to have music, and I want to get friends from all these different chapters of his life, and da-da-da-da-da. And by the way, I got to give a shout-out to my employers at Fire on the Mountain. Yeah. Um, they gave me two weeks bereavement leave. Dope. Paid. Wow. That's I heard. Wonderful. I heard great from. People. I've. I heard from. I don't from, know you, but you're great people. Yeah. I. I heard Thank from. You for that well for over half the staff offering condolences. Yeah. They gave grief counseling to my brother's friends who worked there, like they had a grief counseling session. Your work provided that. Yeah. That's awesome because they, they all work together and live together. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's awesome. And so they like eight of them came in and they provided grief counseling for them. They that's are donating money. People, they are donating money to diabetes research. They offered to provide food and drink for the service. I was like, I don't think you realize how many people are going to be there. So I can't put it all on you guys, but we'll do a potluck and you guys can, you know, contribute whatever you guys want to contribute. They are also um, closing down the restaurant for an entire Saturday so that everybody can go. That way, everybody. That's like $20,000 worth of business that they are giving up so that. People can come and pay their respects yeah. to my so brother. So nobody has to work. That's incredibly supportive. It's, it's, it's yeah. It blows it my really mind, is. dude. And keep in mind, he hasn't worked there since December. You know what I mean? They're like, they're like, Brian was our brother too. We love you. We are going to support and take care of you as much as we can. And this, is a, like, this is a fucking wing joint, dude. Yeah, but like you said, when he left, he didn't leave. He didn't leave upset. He didn't leave. No. You know, it's kind of like when the the new guy the new guy comes in and the old guy just recognizes like I have to step down. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, like not to say he re- but he knew. No, he knew. Everybody knew what was happening. But so if, it wasn't like there was bad terms and and in everybody's heart they wanted everybody in, in everybody's heart they wanted him to be there. Right. Continuing with you now, you know, and well, and what they told what what Brian told me because I was like, look, they're looking for people again I think you should try and come back and he goes I'm not going to come back there until I've got my health in order you know strong like he's like I'm not I'm not I'm not there yet but he had said you know that if he was able to come back when his health was in order he would yeah so so I've been doing all these things with these like three missions in mind okay you know, and also trying to do it all while sitting down, having conversations with my parents yeah. that degenerate into like agony. Yeah. Like, dude, this is hard shit, dude. And, and, and I'll get a little more into some of the major takeaways that I've gotten from this. But in fact, actually, I'll just go into it now. Starting with this idea that like this is the most painful loss of my entire life yeah you know this is my baby brother yeah i don't remember much before he was born you know and despite your whole despite our complex and complicated relationship despite the fact that we could be pricks to each other sometimes this was my fucking baby brother and losing him i have compared it to like i feel like I survived a bomb blast and I'm walking around in the dark looking for my severed limb. Yeah. 
You know, it's, it's the first time part. It's this first yeah. time that I feel like a part of me has been taken from me. Yeah. And what it has done is it has drawn a distinct difference between real love and loss and superficial grasping at attachment. Yeah. Like, I have been heartbroken over getting dumped. I've been heartbroken over people hurting my feelings. Mm -hmm. I've been heartbroken over friendships ending. Mm -hmm. I've been heartbroken over getting fired from jobs. But nothing is the same. But I've been I've been heartbroken over perceived enemies, like yeah. ideas of people not liking me and things like yeah. that, and, and like thinking that there are or, people who like perceived notions of yeah yeah perceived hostilities. You know yeah there you go. But now that this is ha like, and it's interesting that it's the same year that my son was born. Yeah. Because they're both, they're both two sides of the same entity. Yeah. You know, it's like when my son was born, it was like, I have, oh my God, I've never loved anything like this so much in my whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing else compares in the world. And then losing my brother is like, wow, I've never been so hurt and destroyed by something in all my life. All that other shit. And Gordo, we were talking about this before we came into the room. Internet fights at like a major thing that has happened. Like, and I'm sure this will integrate and and wax and wane. But almost immediately, I stopped caring about what people who dislike me think about me. Oh, absolutely. You know, and 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 at the same time, they are right to dislike me. Yeah. They have a right to dislike me because their experience with me, their limited experience with me, has been unfavorable. Because yeah, you don't know me, you can. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know but, me, you can. Or, or like me. I may have wronged you. Well, there are yeah. people I have wronged, yeah. but that one experience is not the entirety of who I am in the story, and it's 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 a fundamental well, attribution absolutely. error to assume that that that's the whole thing. Um, but that happened almost immediately, and it also. And we talked about this too, Gordo. It immediately set my priorities in alignment. Like in, in, in yeah. yeah, in, in the same that's, way. That's what it does. Yo, absolutely. Right away. And it's like, like when my son was born, immediately he and Sarah went to the top of the list. And that was, that was it. That was number one. But what my brother dying did is it started to knock off some of the barnacle priorities that were sticking to my ship. There really weren't necessarily priorities in any way. Right. Yeah, it's time to, you know, drop some needs. Yeah. As as Carlin once said. Well, it's yeah. made me a lot less afraid of what I say on here. You know, it's in what, made in me what terms? You know, I mean I have of honesty of things or just being of, being fully honest and transparent with maybe some of my uh, opinions on things right. or like Withholding certain things in the interest of preserving a a likable identity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, if people like, don't like you, fuck them. Right, and I always yes. had a big I always had a big problem with that. Me too. Until I was probably mid twenties. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it was, but it's it's there's a certain amount of that that you cannot control. Right, like, and and there's and the, and the stuff that you can control, you know you. I don't know. Me personally, it's like I want to. I want to work on trying to connect with people as much as I can. But right. But you can't. You can't always control how people are going to react right. to you or your personality. It's. It's. You know. It's going to happen. It. It. Know, it definitely moved the in, the relationships that matter 
into the forefront of my uh, hierarchy. Yeah. You know, to the top of my hierarchy and definitely made it so it was like, dude, all I care about right now is my mom and my dad and my sister and my aunts and uncles yeah. and my bandmates and like my friends and acquaintances who I wish the well people, and they the wish the same. The people that you need to hold together and the people that are right. holding you Yeah, together. your support system. And yeah. the people who might harbor hostility or dislike or distaste for me in some way. I, you know, I apologize, especially if any of you are listening right now, because you want to, you like to hear a guy eat shit. Um, you know, I am sorry for the things that I did that harmed people, but all I can do is use it to guide my behavior going forward. And I'm not going to give a lot of time to losing sleep over that anymore. I, you know? I wouldn't because you can't you can't you can't go back and you know fix those things with those people mm -hmm. but you can fix it yourself and then if you ever have the opportunity where the the you know like let's say the one let's say one person that you may have felt in your heart is the person you harmed the worst and, and you've already coped with yourself and you re realize that okay I was wrong uh, here's why I was wrong here's how I was being unjust like and then if you were just r to random run into them they would probably, in theory, hopefully be, you know, clean, not cleaned of it, but they would have been able to process it. Well, and, and, and ultimately, it might have been in the end if it was just a random thing like, hey, I know you know me and we know and I know you and we don't really have to say much, but I'm really sorry if I ever did anything to you. And and we like, don't have to be friends. Oh, no, not absolutely but not. But we don't have to be you're enemies just, either. You're just, no, you're just clearing the air like, hey, man, like, I, I, re I realize the air in my way. And, you know, maybe you, know, you provoked me or maybe you're being a pussy about it or. You'd also be surprised at how many of those people don't wish pain on you of this magnitude. You, right. know, what I, you know what I mean? And then they, they're on your side. Right. That's you know what I well, mean? Well, and even, even if there are people who have, who have painted me as the, the monster in their story, they are basing that, com they are basing that sketch off of a person who doesn't exist on the planet anymore. Well, everybody's a monster in everybody's story. It's, and, it's, and part, it's part of a natural pecking order, natural like right. hierarchy. I mean, and everybody's a, a hero in somebody's the, the story. Weak, the, the weak person loses, and the, the not, and I'm, it has nothing to do with winning and losing, but like you know, the bigger bird eats the littler bird. Well, and, and that's and that's the world. And like, and everybody, everybody if you don't gets sink or hurt. Swim, you drown. And yes, everybody gets hurt. And, and we have to remember to have who hurt us so that we can avoid avoid those types of things in the future. Correct. It's a biological adaptation. Well, and the other thing is, too, is everybody's entitled to have feelings. Everybody's entitled to be upset. Everybody, you know, everybody's entitled to process their things the way that they, you know, that, that's good for them. Well, and you can really only tend to about 150 relationships anyway. Um, in what terms? Uh, in terms of Just anthropological people. development. Like, uh, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast. Do you know what Dunbar's number is? No. Basically, Dunbar's number is this theory that uh, primate uh, tribal systems have, like, basically a number where they cap out and okay. split off into other tribes. Um, if you look at, like, chimpanzee or bonobo tribes, like, groups, they tend to cap out as a certain number. Okay. Because of the way our brains have evolved, because of the evolution of our uh, uh, cerebral cortex... We are able to handle about 150, give or take, 
relationships at any given time. Now those change, they're fluid, they're dynamic, they work in all, like, yeah. your your 150 people can be different from moment to moment to moment. God, you I know what like I mean? I you can hold down about five at a time. Right, but it basically caps out 150 at 150. Yeah, that makes sense. That <laughs> but makes sense. then beyond that, there are going to be people that you have loose associations with, there are going to be people along the spectrum who you have neutral associations with. Yeah. There are going to be people who just kind of feel annoyed by you. There are going to be people who dislike you. And there will be a small percentage of people who hate you. Huh. That's just if you meet enough people, you are going to meet someone who hates you. Absolutely. You're going to meet someone who wishes you harm or or you're going to meet people that you fantasize about misfortune on. It's going to pop into your head. Yeah. We're human beings. You yeah. know what I mean? It's true. And I have spent a lot of time worrying about that. And now I'm just at the point where I'm just like, man, it is too fucking short, dude. I don't care. I would, I would like... <laughs> All I care about right now is how much I wish my brother was still here. Yeah. You know, all I care about right now is like is focusing on doing right by my son and my girl and and raising him upright and and even like the band priorities had been already kind of going this way, but it's less about success and it's more about like, hey, let's get together and have some fun yeah. with our rock and roll band. It has to be fun. Always you know, has to be because fun. My brother, you know, and and this is something. This is something that came. I talked to one. So I've been, I've been making a lot of phone calls. Yes, you have. Most of what I've been doing with my time is making phone calls, sending emails, sending text messages, all trying to arrange the different elements of this thing. Okay. Like Mikey here at the Nug Nation, he is helping me get the materials together to be able to live stream the event so Brian's friends around the world can participate. Cool. You know, my aunt and uncle and my sister and I are putting together a set list of songs. Cool. The Hangman's Hymnal guys are coming in to accompany us on some of those songs that we do so that cool. we have accompaniment so when we yeah. fall apart, it still stays together. Yeah. You know, Ty's wife, Jessie, is and her family are helping print the songbooks that I made. Cool. I had... um. My brother mentioned before he died, uh, after our last family reunion, well, as opposed to mentioning after he died, uh, <laughs> he mentioned after our last family reunion that he wanted to make a family songbook. Okay. So I'm making this like first edition family songbook that is all songs from, from the service. Yeah. Um, and so Jesse's family is helping me get that printed. That's cool. I've got, and then, and then this is where you come in. I talked to both Jake Fairley and Josh Finley and they have both um, created pieces of art that I'm going to give to you to make into T-shirts, yep. which we're going to sell. Yep. For and diabetes for, and, and, and do, donations. for donations for diabetes awareness. Yeah. We're it's all we've also awesome. sold his motorcycle. Uh, we've got a neighbor who's helping us sell his motorcycle. That's we've awesome. got a neighbor who's helping us sell his car. All and because my parents are like. We're it's fine. Over, it's overwhelming. They're like, we're fine financially. We don't need anything yeah. to help with the costs. We just want to give money to diabetes. Yeah. So, you know, Kate is donating a PA system awesome. for us to use. So, like, all these people are coming together, yeah. right, in this, in this time of need. And it's like all the perceived resentments that I thought people might have or all the ways that I thought that maybe, you know – people are just like nice to my face or you know they're like little petty things that we get in our yeah. get in our heads our little like distorted views of the world 
have just gone away with just like all the support that has come in. Well, and you then you realize somebody, you know, you, people have people that have your back. Yeah. You know. Well, and and so one of the things and one of the re- things that I thought we could talk about on here and this was a really long way of leading up to it. But, you know, I've got you working on these t-shirts. Yep. And I've been noticing over the last few years I own three shirts in my collection, which are memorial shirts. Yeah. And I'm seeing more and more of this where people are, like when Haney died, they did the Do Some Good shirts. No, they've, they've done a lot with those. They've done a ton with it. Yeah. And um, then when Denver Joe died, they yeah. uh, reprinted the old Denver Joe shirts. And then when Frenchie died, the SPB guys made those Frenchie shirts, which, dude, that is just one of my favorite shirts alone. Yeah. It's like a, um, it's like a grayscale photo of, um, uh, or like a sepia tone, whatever it is, where basically they just break it down to just, you would know better the terminology than I would. But basically, it's like a photograph and they break it down to a one color print. Oh, with just like grays and yeah, yeah, black. Yeah. yeah, okay. So, yeah, grayscale. So they, they like, have a picture of him holding a beer and like this goofy ass hat and then it just says don't threaten me with a good time Hmm. and they sold those to raise money for expenses that the family might have yeah and so something that I thought would be kind of cool to ask you about is number one how much do you see about that and and from where you work being in a print shop like what are some of the insights that you've had on like the t-shirts influence in culture and in our lives and, and what people use them for. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I, we don't do, I don't do a lot of memorial shirts. I do quite a bit, thankfully. I mean, I would do them, but I mean. But they have come up for you before. Oh, definitely. I've done photos for people or, you know, kind of like you were saying, um, Maybe catchphrases or inside jokes. Like I had... You know, stuff like that. Right. You know, like just things because then... Because for people, and I I think it comes back to when we were talking earlier about culture, you know, no matter what, I think you're always going to be a punk rocker because, I mean, if you went went a different course, not to say t-shirts are important to you, but everybody... I think T-shirts are extremely important. Okay, so see, I don't know. I don't know. But if they – so they are. And so the thing is there is a lot of people are like-minded. You know what I mean? I have lots of T-shirts, and a lot of them are – I think are really cool. Are they worth something? Probably not. Are they worth something to me? Absolutely. Because, you know, for me, um, you don't remember which show you got it or anything. But sometimes you can attach memories to it. But in memory, T-shirts are nice. Because, A, they keep pretty good. Uh, everybody can wear it, and you can wear it as you see fit, or you can just keep it, you know. Keeping one T-shirt, if you hang all your T-shirts up, keeping one, wearing your, like you were saying, three T-shirts. Keeping three T-shirts just to commemorate, you know what I mean? Songs, we were talking about music and right. stuff like that. So my mom's got dementia, and so, like, music stuff kind of gets her thinking about... It's it's just you, you start thinking you get kind of the juices flowing, dude. That's like that Oliver Sacks stuff that we're and, talking yeah, like, about. Yeah, that's like what they, I'm saying. They like you know treat treat dementia yeah. with yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't know that, man. Yeah, that's that's, it, that's 
it is what it is. That's that's um, a that's a very rough. So very what? Rough thing. Oh, I got off course. Damn, no, it's dude. like so. Okay, there's 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 a study in the world of psychology of uh, there's a study of like script work, like life scripts. Yeah. And one of the questions that they will ask that like a a script work specialist would might ask about is like. What would your T-shirt say? What would you, they call it the sweatshirt question? Yeah. What would your sweatshirt say to the world? Like it's this idea of like what would you like if you if you were to wear a, a, a sweatshirt that told the world something about you? What would it say? And it's this idea of like if I wear a like Denver Broncos shirt, right? I understand. I you... automatically associate myself with a certain tribe. I ult- I automatically yeah, yeah, develop yeah. a kinship with a person. Yeah. It's the same thing with like the the Turbo Yugen jackets. Yep. No matter where I go in the world, if I'm wearing my coot, my Turbo Yugen coot, I see someone else. We automatically have this like connection. We have yep. this tribal affiliation, right? Yep. Um, there are T-shirts in my collection because basically I put my T-shirts in random order. See, I keep them all by color. I, I put them in random I mean, order so that I don't have to think about what I'm wearing the next day. So I don't experience choice paralysis. I just take the next one in a row. Unless it's like there are some shirts I will skip oh, yeah, me in too. favor of other T-shirts. Well, and you put so a lot of the, thought into this, man. That's crazy. The T-shirt thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah man. It's, I, I mean, th- I mean, this is something I've thought of a lot. I put, I, I, pu- I put it in order because I would sp- spend too much time deciding what T-shirt I was going to wear. Oh, well, and see, that's the thing, too. Um, the viewers can't see. If you could see, you guys, t- we take a picture, I'm sure, right? We'll take a picture. Yeah, you're wearing our shirt. Yeah, I, I, I just grabbed the shirt. You know, shirt. we're still selling those shirts. It's a great shirt. Well, dude, we dropped, We just ordered so many. You did. Those dirty half dozen shirts, yeah. we got those before the first tour we did with Parker like six years ago. Yeah, it was dude. a long time ago. And like, we're, you made us a golf towel too, which I thought was awesome. I did. Yeah. For, that, dude, that's a great print. Um. Epic. So I, I randomly wore it. So like I'm the guy who sho- you randomly wore that. Yeah, no, I didn't wear it on purpose. You didn't plan it. No. Oh, I thought you I don't like it to be nice. Dude, I, no, I don't like being and the guy that sh- wears the shirt to the show. Oh, I would. You know dude. what I mean? Like some guys will be like, like so I see it at my shows. Like I love that people do it, but like for me personally, I, I would never be the guy that it wore embarrasses it. you. Does yeah. it embarrass you? Like, oh, not, make not you self-conscious? Absolutely, I'm with you on that one. It 100%. makes me self-conscious in the sense, not of my band, somebody doing it, but say I'm going to say, let's let's say I'm going to go see Rancid. If I came decked out in my Rancid gear, I'm going to be like, man, you, you, that's like rule number one dude, in rock and roll. You can't wear the shirt I don't of the band that. you're going to see. Unless, I don't subscribe to that. Dude, so I'm thinking about starting to wear my own potato pirate shirts while we play. Iron Maiden does it. Like, Suicidal Tendencies does it, Suicidal too. Suicidal does it, like, too. They always wear their shit. Dude, I... Uh, Mark when Bolin I went- used to perform next to a cardboard cutout of himself. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, but Mark Bolin is the fucking man, dude. That's uh, pro. In man- many, many myriad ways. Like, man. I, um... Like, uh, if I go see Ween play, I always, I always like, lay out all my Ween shirts and I'm like, I'm going to wear this one the first night. I'm going to wear this one the second night. I'm going to get this one the third night. And I think that's a different, I think it goes for different bands. I think it goes like, so like, like, like I'll say, wear a maiden shirt if I go to a maiden shirt. Yeah. Like, it, let's say you're into leftover salmon. You would wear that. If right. you were into maiden, you would do it. Um, I think it's specific by genre. You know, See, if you're into that's Miley, that if punk you're into rock my- thing again, dude, yeah. there's injunctions against hero worship in punk rock. Yes. There's there like, are. if you ask someone for an autograph, like to sign something for you, yes. like it's like, 
it's like considered like jerking them off. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, my ego. That dude, my ego is such a cheap date. Like my if about five if five people ask me to sign something in a night, I'm like, holy shit! It's it's almost like I'm like ten years old in a fucking we had cute to, girl looked at me or something. You know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, I, I just. I don't, I, don't, to, I don't like being the center of attention right. ever. It's not we my had thing. To, we had to get over being too cool for signing stuff for people or being self-conscious about it. Oh, I just do it. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll do it because you look rude. If you, do, if you don't, some people really like, some people love you and they know your things more than you do. Yeah. Um, and that, to, and that it's, I love it's almost rude. You know, think about when you were a little boy. Like if you saw... Okay, uh, fucking Dropkick Murphys. When when they were God, and they wouldn't sign anything for you. Would they? Would they, would they not? They would. They probably would have signed something. I think Dropkick Murphys would sign. And see, stuff. I think then see that would make you good. But if let's say they didn't, you'd be like, but man, I, those guys are kind of dicks. But it's also punk rock, so it's like whatever. I can also see like a band like the Brian Jonestown Massacre being like, don't. I don't know who that you is. Know, so I've who do you think I am? Do you think we're like fucking cheap trick or Def Leppard or something? Get the fuck out of here! Like you know, like so what's the, so at that point that's like the I like, like I, what's more pretentious? So signing it or being so an asshole? You're talking about people wearing sh- your band's shirt at your show. I think it, I, I think love it's really cool seeing people in our stuff. I think it's really cool. I love I, c- it. I wouldn't do it because again, that's not it, me. It makes me feel the only time I get self conscious is if it's a design that I wasn't wild about. Like I'm like ah, that's not my favorite design. No. And because they and they re- wear they're that. representing it. But here's here's the thing, and and this applies to your music, is if you throw shade on your own stuff, you're being disrespectful to the people who like your stuff. No, I understand because it's the same thing as going like like someone goes. You know, like there's that scene in um, Lords of Chaos where uh, what's his name? Um, Varg, before he becomes Varg, when he's just like a regular kid, he's got a scorpion's patch and Euronymous like sees the scorpion's patch and like throws shade on him for it. You know, and then he gets all embarrassed and he takes off his scorpion's patch and throws it in the trash. You know, yeah. he feels shitty. Like if if you put on a show and you have a rough night, and you get down off the stage, and someone's like, oh my god, that was amazing, and you're like, what are you talking about? We fucking sucked. That well, was you terrible. That's, you like, know, r- was all that's like rule number one, too. Yeah, they go, they go, oh, man, well, I mean, he knows his stuff better than I do, and he just totally fucking dogged on this thing that I love. Like, it's yep. rude. It's yep. rude to do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, but about, like, about t-shirts, there are shirts that I can't wait to wear, Oh, Even yeah. though you're not staring down at your shirt all day. No, definitely. Like, it's about what you are telling other people about you through wearing your shirt. So, oh, okay, I, you're starting to kind of get my juices going now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, as a guy who prints T-shirts, I do – I like being able to wear a shirt that nobody else will have. Right. You know what I mean? Because what does that say about you? I don't know. It what does that, that say to the world? It means that I'm unique and different. Right. But I'm no more unique and different it's, than it's anybody else. It's your cultural else. currency. And there's something like whenever I wear a memorial shirt, you know, and somebody comments on it, it's almost a little bit of – it's almost a bit of a trap in a way, and I feel kind of bad about it because it's like – Somebody asks a question, they go, oh, that's an awesome shirt. And you go, you go, yeah, it's for my dead friend. He passed away last year. And you go into the story and they're like, you know, but, but it really is a cool story. 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't do it to make people uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Everyone dies. That's true. And if you can make something... Death and taxes? For, for, first of all, I am not doing anything that I don't think my brother would think was cool. Now, he's not here. He doesn't fucking know. Yeah. You know, but I am still acting as though he were standing beside me and I'm going, hey, check this out that I had Jake, like I had Jake Fairley do this design that is like a mock-up of um, the uh, Iron Maiden Live After Death album where like Eddie's popping out of the grave Mm -hmm. and it's Brian popping out of the grave Mm -hmm. and the headstone just says... It says Brian Stewart Howell loved ice cream and farts, like brilliant. That and, inside jokes, dude. Like, those and, are the things that right. are great. And there's and there's. I used to have kind of mixed feelings about it because it does seem a little crass to turn someone into a caricature, to turn someone into like to like cartoonify someone, but. We're also creating a piece of art mm-hmm. to express our love and admiration for that person, give somebody a commemorative thing, and have a physical good that people can feel good about buying to support something. Yep. Like you said, those Haney shirts. Do you print the Haney shirts? No, I did not. No, you did I not? I just know that there's a lot of them. They did a ton of them. You know, you know. like... They did a lot of good with that. The money yes, from those did. shirts went to his daughter. Yes, they did. You know, and the the, the Frenchie shirts, it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, now, and, now, like I said, what I am trying to give to my family and to honor my brother is to try and use every resource I can possibly think of. So I'm calling in people who have equipment expertise. I'm calling in people who have yeah, you're getting, video expertise. You're getting the gang I'm, together. Like, I'm... I'm I am calling in every favor I can, and I called you, and this is the funny thing, Gordo. I, I That's called, how we started talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I called Andrew to talk to him about shirts, and of course, everyone I've called has picked up the phone and had this tone in their voice like, you know, like, is this an accidental call? Like, what's, hey, bud, how are you doing? And it's like, it's like oh, you know, we're, we're limping along, and, and we're doing what we can, and 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 everybody's just being so like kind and gracious and and sympathetic and you know really just and by the way if you're worried about saying the right or wrong thing to someone everybody says the right thing and everybody says the wrong thing absolutely you because gotta, you got to say something that's the whole point right there is nothing just can't be distasteful there is nothing you can say short of saying like ah the world's a better place without him you know what I mean well that's rude there is nothing short of being like outright rude that that someone is going to take offense from at least in my case everything that everyone said to me was pretty much the same structurally it was wow that's awful I'm really sorry if I can help in any way let me know yeah. I love you. You know, here, like, anything you need. Here are some pictures of your brother. Here's some video of your brother. If I can help in any way, let me know. And what I have found is that the people I have contacted have been only too happy to help. I don't think we have to have this, like... It's because you're a good guy. And what it is, it's not that you've earned points or you've earned credits in anybody's mind. Um... I think as we get older, we all find the people that are in our group, and that's like we talked about. But then when you can find people that uh, appreciate and reciprocate things, like like 
you appre- like I know that what I'm going to do to help you, you're going to appreciate. If you right. did, if you didn't fucking appreciate, I wouldn't have even offered. Right. You know right. what I mean? Well, for, and for it, you to appreciate it, and for the for the for what I should be, you know, to say making on it being donated to a good cause i mean that's a fucking in my eyes that's a win 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 right i mean yeah i might have to go in late or stay late or you know something to get it done but you know when you're thinking of the people who support you you know i could think of and i don't want to start name dropping my clients because i really don't but i can think of at least three clients that i got just because of you right right off the top of my head and so like you know just reciprocate i mean if the world was just a bit kinder to each other and they would reciprocate you know just a a little bit of what 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 they're putting out like it it turns out great so much of our world is dependent on those relationships and i've always driven that home some people ruin those relationships and they don't recognize it right right some people can't you know, you and I and Logan have known each other since we were, oh, when you're in sixth grade, you're 10, 11, 12 years old. Well, there's also a lot of people who won't we pay it boys. forward. They won't pay it forward because they don't see any immediate gain out of it. When people are, that's usually, and those are the people that generally don't think very well. And they very, have difficulty. Yes, they don't think very well. And those are generally seem to be ruder people. Um, you know, what? I have I have I have fantastic weed karma. You know, we put we played a show in San Diego. Did once. you say weed karma? Ab- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a real thing. Yeah, I have great weed karma. It's too. a real thing. You know, like road karma is a thing too. Road absolutely, road karma is a thing. Being yeah. in a band, um, I don't know the quote. My phone is dead. Um, Mark Twain has some quote, old time like traveling traveling and seeing things that's not your normal world it's like the cure for ignorance correct. Is that something like correct. that the cure correct. for like and the it cure could, for prejudice or correct. something like and that. it couldn't be more true yeah. because i've seen just being able playing in my band and the world gets a lot smaller yeah you see you see a lot of people they're very like you but they're very different from you and that's generally because have you traveled any foreign have you traveled abroad much not with the band but when i was younger i have yes yeah. when we went on tour to europe for the first time it really koozies don't sell. We're they don't we're, sell for shit. Fuck. They thought they were like hand. They thought they were gloves or something. But when we went to Europe for the first time, it was the Cold first time beard. I really had this sense of global community. Yeah, it was the first time that it wasn't like, oh, people from America are like this, and people from Europe are like this. It's like, yes, we do have those cultural. And every, differences. everybody knows that, and they recognize it. And when you get to be friends with people, oh, that's where that shit gets it? fun. You're oh, like, oh, so you fun. dumb idiot American. Yeah, it's you like you stupid idiot. It's like, look at what our culture does. Yeah. That's so weird. What does your culture do? That's so weird. But at the end of the day, you know, the guy in India fights with his wife. The guy in yep. Norway everybody wants to shits, show off every, pictures of his kids. Everybody shits the same. The dude, the dude fighting for ISIS has to take a, you know, gets diarrhea. The dude fucking in in, in the clan fucking has hemorrhoids. You know what I mean? Like the everybody, no matter where you go, is different and pretty much the same. Oh yeah, you I know. Found the found the Mark Twain. Quote. What is the yeah. last thing? It's code? pretty profound. Um, it's a it's a real good one. I mean, yeah. if people really like, if you're listening to this, not to tell you what to do, like, as Gordo's reading this, like, stop and fucking think about it. Yeah, and think about your experiences and think about experiences that you may never have, and just legit th- sit and think about this. Yeah. Let it fucking soak in. Chew on it. Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. 
and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. That's a great quote. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a great quote. I'm not I'm not even like a fucking book smart dude. I just read that once no, and that's was a great like, quote. I read that and was like yeah, I mean that's amazing. that sums up a ton of shit. Well, the more the more you go around the world and you interact with real people and 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 this is my favorite part about the music business. And you know, like is you've got like I heard from people on the other side of the planet. You know, I heard from people in like Jan, you know, you know Jan from Belgium. Jan said probably the most inappropriate thing that anybody said out of all the condolences I got. He's like, I'm so sorry to hear about Brian. I loved him even though I thought he was a homeless guy when I first met him. Like, that was the first thing Jan said to me, and it made me laugh my fucking ass off, dude. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, So he kind of fucked with that, that barrier, that, but he that also... That is funny, because I remember him telling that story. Yeah, it was it so funny. Yeah. He said, oh, I went over to your parents' house, and your brother was there, and I thought a homeless guy had bro- broken into the house. It was really funny. So for me, me thinking about it in, in me thinking of your well-being, I don't want, mean to bring it up this way. I'm very happy that you at least kind of got to know, and it wasn't a complete... To- I mean, it was a surprise, yes, but like you said, everybody knew he was trying to get his health together, you know, trying to get it. it there are so, small so, comforts like that. Yeah, well, I'm not saying, I, but for me, those are the kind of things like if, if, if he was murdered in cold blood, those are the kind of things that ruin people for life. Oh yeah, that'll that could fuck you up forever. No, there's a, there's only, not to say this isn't right. going to fuck you up, but like no, you're, you're I, I know right. you and I know your personality and you're 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 having a hard time, but you're making it. You're making it through. You know what I mean? I I think a big part of it is I, you know, I've always had what I considered to be a pretty comfortable relationship with death, a pretty comfortable understanding of it. I know that it is a thing that it happens. But when stuff like that happens, your eyes cry whether you want them to or not. Oh, absolutely. I've been rehearsing the songs for this memorial, and every time I hit certain parts, and it's not like we're playing particularly sappy songs. Mm -hmm. Most of the songs we're doing are just things from our family repertoire. Yeah. With a few exceptions, like I'm doing a Steve Earle song that's okay. really hard. Like I'm doing, have you ever heard uh, uh, Going Over Yonder, Jonathan's song by Steve Earle? Yeah. It's from the perspective yeah. of a death row inmate who's like going to be executed. Yeah. And is kind of like looking forward to the peace that it's going to bring. Mm-hmm. Like I'm singing that for him. That one's really hard. You know, my brother, uh, my brother wasn't much of a singer. But he was, he was, he could strum his way on a guitar better than I could. And, you know, he was a pretty good drummer. Yeah. Uh, But he would come home to visit and he would have this different repertoire of songs than we did. Oh, yeah, dude. Because he's living a different life. Yeah. So he would come back and he does like, like one of the ones we're doing is. uh, What you you think's hot and what he thinks hot is nothing of the same. Like, uh, If I Ever Leave This World Alive by Flogging Molly, we're doing that one. That's a great song. Um, And then. One song. that I've always attributed to him is Have You Ever Seen the Rain by Creedence Clearwater yeah. Revival. You know, and that's not a particularly sad song, yeah. but when I sing it for him, yeah. I can't help it. That's how... Uh, you know, I fall apart, man. That, that's how Norman Greenbaum's Spirit in the Sky is for me. When really? I, yeah. Uh, not well, even that I'm a spiritual dude. So I have this uh, old Buick. Uh, my mom drove it for years. It's 1974 Buick. 
she named it compassionately named it Norman because it was green. Norman the big green bomb. Really? Is what she named the car. So not, so when you hear spirit in the sky. Oh yeah, that absolutely, absolutely. I mean, my mom is living and doing fine-ish. You know, she just has her health. Um, Dementia's hard though, man. It is, but it's it's really cool when the song comes on because it's it's not like necessarily sad. Right. You know, no, it's dude. kind of mixed. It's kind of like goosebumps, sad, happy, goosebumps, sad, happy, happy, yeah. sad. You know, it's, when I hear it's weird. And it's not even like I don't even know that I care for the song. And she and I have no real, there's no like family history with the song. But it just sets it off. But with just the, just the song and it's weird. I get that way with. Um, she probably listen to the song and be like, I hate that fucking song. Right, right. I, I get that way when I listen to. Uh, Patches by Clarence Carter. Yeah. And my dad and I have a good relationship. You know? Yeah. My brother and I had a pretty good relationship. You know, we fought like brothers and we didn't get along for several years. But something about Patches by Clarence Carter is just like, I don't know if it's the way he sings it or it's the content of the story that it's just like, like there's that, there's that line in the, that song Adam Sandler wrote about Chris Farley where he talks about the time he like walked in and Chris Farley's just listening to headphones and crying. And he's like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, oh, I'm just thinking about my dad. Uh. You know, like sometimes, sometimes I just think about my dad and get sad. Yeah. You know, and he's, he's alive and well, he's fine. Yeah, it's true. You know, but sometimes you, there's this undeniable existential dread that we all walk around with and try and pretend doesn't exist. I know. You know, it's like, even though I'm in a situation where it's perfectly acceptable for me to just be like walking around hunched over and heartbroken and I am, I am doing my best to be mindful of it and to, you know, but be you, as authentic as so, possible. So, you know, you don't even have though to that's be going on. Well, but even though that's going on, once I get into a certain context, there's certain things that we have to do just to exist in society mm-hmm. that subvert our real experience of life and it's when things like this happen where it's like like the uh, the the, um, the victim's advocate and everybody keeps using this term waves they're like oh it'll come in waves mm-hmm. you know my good buddy Dave Flomberg says comes in waves and just over time the waves get further and further apart mm-hmm. But then, true. but at the time it happens, what it feels more like in the comparison I've been telling people is imagine getting hit by a bus in an alternate dimension where getting hit by a bus is a capital offense and they take you to prison and they, instead of, they put you in an electric chair, but they don't kill you. They have Let's a, fuck with you. they just, ha- but it's not done with malice. It's a random, it's a random electrocution that isn't enough to kill you, but it is enough to drop you to your knees and make you feel like you're going to shit yourself. Yeah. Like, and you've just got to do that until, until that, until the power anymore. goes out. Yeah. Until that doesn't happen anymore. Like you're like hooked up to a battery, but it's like, it's like a thousand car batteries and eventually they'll die. But until they do, they're going to randomly shock the shit out of you, you know, and take your breath away and, like, take away your ability to focus on what's going on and 
you have to pretend you're not being electrocuted. Like that's part of the rules. If you if you cry out in in pain, uh, that that is also that's that's against the law as well. Well, who said that though? Say what? Who sa- who said that though? The waves thing? No. Who said that that part was against the law? Yeah. Well, that what I'm saying is that even in the most accepting environments, mm-hmm. I can't go to the DMV. I can't go grocery shopping. I can't pay my taxes if I'm crying and angry and sad all the time. No, absolutely So not. we all have to kind of like just make room for it in our lives yeah. and walk around with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and pretty much anyone you can think of but people has that have, going on to some degree. Oh, definitely. I think that's, I think they, that's just the weight of the world, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. As they, as they proverbial, fuck it, as they call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, collo- as it is known colloquially. Oh, colloquially. Yeah, colloquially is a good is a good word. Anally? Yeah. So so I called you. I called you and I asked you to do these shirts. And while I was calling you, you were like, oh, hey, by the way, are we podcasting this week? And I went, are well, you? Are we podcasting on Monday? Yeah. Because I think we are, but I can't yeah, quite are, You're recall. like, are we podcasting on Monday? And I'm like, I don't know. Are you my guest? Like, at this point, you know, I've been just kind of in, like, survival mode, just going from one thing to the yep. next. And then we're on the phone, and I'm like, not only that, I've got Tony coming into town. I've got shows to do. I've got, like, a rehearsal that I have to go to. You know, like, I have to get back to being alive. You know, even though I'm on, I'm on leave, I still... I still have to change diapers. I still yeah. have to have a relationship. You know, I, yeah. st- I still have to put gas in my car. I still have to eat food. Yeah, we're not in Portland. Yeah. Or, fu- right. or fucking New Jersey. Right. <laughs> so I talked to you and you're like, and you were so cool, by the way. You're, you're like, first of all, just like he, o- Gordo, he offered to do the shirts, not only on time, but he's going to do it just for cost of garments, just to help out. You know what I mean? And yeah, so you're time's like, it's getting hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'll happen. Yeah. I'll make it happen. Um, actually, as soon as we get, <laughs> I've got one one of the designs. I can give that to you now. And then I'll get a hold of Finley and get the other design he, to He texted me about 1 a.m. and said that he'll send it sometime tonight. He's, oh, he actually got it. See, he said he's traveling and he'll send it over. Finley's been amazing, by the way. Yeah, 1 yeah, a.m. We, we, 1 a. we, we went to me. extraordinary lengths to send that text to you and to our, our, our loved ones. We were in a dead zone for cell service, and like we where, were. Where were you guys? We were in. Uh, we were like west, like about seven miles west of Walsenburg. They went and played oh, a yeah. gig in fucking Walsenburg. We Dude. played. We played this like, and it was amazing. Like yeah, a house party out in this ranch. Solid. And it was, yeah, it was fucking amazing. Solid. But and one of the cool things about it actually was that there was no cell service. It was right. pretty. Yeah. It, it was beautiful yeah. out there. Yeah. It was like okay, well, this is this is it, you know. But then, like, we we kind of did run into the problem, like, oh yeah, well, how do we tell our wives or you know or anything like, that anybody that we're going to be late? Well, yeah, that we're going to stay here tonight and we're not going to come back tonight or whatever, you know? And like, and who, oh yeah, and like, who's going to take care of Terry's dog? And like, oh shit, like we kind of need to be able to <laughs> communicate, you know? And, yeah. And like, it's, why didn't we think of this earlier? So were so, people just worried sick? I went, dude. I, no, we we actually like we we found a place where we got like. <laughs> You just like there's this place upstairs in this this place like there's this place upstairs where 
you walk around and you just kind of like you have this message on deck that you hit send and it's like not working but you just keep hitting retry until you hit it until you hit it and it's like ah, i went through you know like i got one off to my wife wow. and I was like, yeah you know and and he got that one off to you and boy it's and a good thing like, it was a yeah. positive situation yeah because that scenario happens in horror movies yeah. It's like yeah. you're covered you're covered in your best friend's blood and you're walking around shaking just like pushing a button like please help. Yeah, yeah. Me. So it's it's a good thing it was a fun rock concert and not a, a murder scenario. Yeah, it was it was not a murder scenario. Huh? Not it, at all. Do, you know, <laughs> dude, like so many people at that uh those shows this weekend like what show? What, what so? Shows so we weekend? played. We played new work. We did a double header on Saturday. Oh, cool! So we played New Worst Fest in Fort Collins during the day at Music okay. City Hot Chicken. Okay, and then we played uh, the Hank Von Hell show that night. Where was that? Uh, at the Oriental. Okay, and just like, I mean, my dad's a mess. He's the most heartbroken out of all of us. Did Merch Dad get to relax? As much as he can. Good. You know he's hurting. Oh, absolutely. But what was amazing was seeing how many people I saw that just walked up to my parents and gave them hugs. Like yeah. all my bandmates, yeah. a bunch of the people from the Turbo Yugen, like people were just going over and hugging my parents and hugging me. And like, and dude, I've been getting phone calls from like tough guys. Yeah. Like, because from our years of doing this, we meet people from all different scenes, oh, right? Yeah. As if you're in a band, you have to be able to walk through the different scenes. You know, so we know like metal guys and like oh, yeah. crust punk guys yeah. and and like skinheads and hardcore dudes and like like country people and like weird freaky face tattoo people, like all sorts of different people, right? And and um and even like normal like square straight like like Dude, we have a crew of lawyers that are probably listening to this show. Fucking shout out to my lawyer dudes. I fucking love you guys. That's pro. Like, there's a crew of them that come to our shows. You Thank, know what I mean? Thankfully, I don't have lawyer dudes but, yet. But we also know a lot of, like, New York City hardcore dudes. Oh, yeah. Like. Nice dudes, though. Nice dudes. I know a guy in Oklahoma. That are nice dudes that are scary as fuck. Absolutely. And have been in fights and in shady dealings. We'll just say that. Like, people who you do not want to run afoul. Yeah. And I've been getting calls from these dudes that are just like... Like, you guys know Puerto Rican Mike? I don't. Do you guys know Puerto no. Rican Mike from no. Scarhead and District 9? He lived in Denver for a long time. You would probably recognize him if you saw him. But he's this huge, like, Puerto Rican dude who is in that band Scarhead from New York City like that DMS band like like tough New York hardcore like yeah, like, they roll it, deep, like an icon dude. yeah they roll deep and he finds out about my brother and he calls me up and he goes yo Aaron and like I start laughing and I go hey what's up dude and he goes it's Puerto Rican Mike I'm like dude I knew it was you before you said my name I saw a New York phone number and when you said yo I knew it was you and he goes, he goes, I'm very sorry to hear about your brother. I think I knew him. I may have met him before. I'm not really sure. But I know you. And then he starts getting choked up. And he's like, he's like, and I'll definitely be there this, this weekend to honor your brother. It's like, I love you, man. Like, and then I'm hearing from other guys that are like, they're like, yo, if you need any help moving anything, you let us know. You need any fucking heavy shit, lift it around. Like, dude. It's been amazing shit, dude. Just like 
the humanity that comes out of people. No, me. absolutely. And don't get me wrong, I miss my brother terribly. Yeah. I miss you said, him. You, so you, earlier you said he was gone, but he's 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 in you, dude. You you said you, all your priorities have just completely shifted, and you feel like things are finally like the pieces of the puzzle are fitting together. Like that's him, dude. Mm-hmm. That's him doing that for you. Right. That's his. That's his spirit in you, making that. Well, I, r- I wrote, making that happen. I wrote something after Gary Lee died, that got picked up by a lot of people. I didn't really intend for it to happen, but it ended up someone from his family saw it, and they put it on the his funeral program. But what and and I I, I couldn't find it and I couldn't tell you what I specifically said. But the basic message of it was like, in the service and entertainment industries. We are going to form literally thousands of relationships with varying degrees of depth. And because of that, statistically, we are going to see more people die than the average person. We are going to see people that we know that we've been around die because we're in a people business. Yeah, you're you definitely you know what I mean? And Whether you know them all, you see right. the same old guy that comes in every day, sits in the same spot, and, and you then go, one day oh, he just doesn't come again. Oh, my God, dude. I just saw him yeah. at the last such-and-such such show. Yeah. You know, I think you're fact, right. That's real hard. Do you want to know something fucked up? I don't – it was not long ago I had this, like, morbid, depressed but humorous thought. You know, you have those, like, depressed jokes that you have in your head. And I had this depressed joke in my head that was like, I wonder which of my friends is going to die this year. Yeah, that's a shitty depressed joke, but it's real life. But it's real life. Yeah. And then it was, it was the last, like, it was, it was tantamount to Logan dying. Or Ty or Tony yeah, yeah. or my dad or my mom. Yeah. Even even my dad, you know, he's not old, old by any means. You know, he's, he's pushing 70. He's already lived longer than his dad did. You know, I would be heartbroken if my dad died. I, just even thinking about my dad died kills, kills me. But he's made it a, a long time and he's lived a life. You know yeah. what I mean? Even that, it's like, you know, your, your kid brother... That's just, that's just so fucking much, man. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I made that joke to myself and it's like, this is who, motherfucker. Bam! You know, yeah. what, how are you going to handle it? What are you going to do about it? You know, how are you going to show up? And I've heard this idea of like, and and um, you know this guy. This guy informs a lot of my ideas. I know he's he like some people have bad feelings about this dude and may not admit that they they listen to him. But I I listen a lot and read a lot of Jordan Peterson's stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he's a smart fucking dude, and I really honestly believe all he wants to do is good in the world. Um, there are some people who I think have made some some fundamental attribution errors to him and have ascribed some things to him that that are just simply false. Like I, I really do think that. I don't know who that is. Well, he's he's a for the uh, record. He's a univer. He was he was a university professor 
who started putting his lectures on YouTube, and he's a, uh, he's, a he's a psychology professor. He's a okay. clinical psychologist by by vocation. Okay, and and he's just he's a talker and a thinker, and he has a lot of ideas about life and responsibility and finding meaning in your life mm-hmm. and yeah and. Uh, really, I think he he has an, an honest desire to see people put their lives in order, yeah. you know. And um, one of the things he talks about is he's like, sometimes I'll get clients that, you know, because you, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a vision for what you want your life to look like. You've got to have something bigger than yourself to be working towards. What's it going to be? And he's no like, clue. and he's like, and sometimes you get these clients who they don't even know where to begin. Yeah. You know, they're so dispossessed and so, you know, self-victimized and so down and, and, and people in some really dire straits that can't even come up with any of that stuff. And he says, he says, if all you can come up with is one, it, like one thing, have it be your goal to be the most reliable person at your father's funeral. Yeah. You know, that is a good thing to strive for. And so when we lost my brother, that was like, I set out with the intention to do that of being the most, the most reliable person yeah. I can't. And I say I can be because it's, it's a community effort. Yes. So many people are doing that. My mom is being so strong. My yeah. dad, my yeah. sister, like everybody's being just so amazing and coming together on this. But my goal has been immediately to like, Okay, I am going to show up for my family the best way I can possibly yeah. think of. That's the and, be- and that's the best thing to do. Yeah, and I've and I've I've been pouring myself no, into this, and and um, everybody know everybody notes notices your hard work, even if you don't think they do, they will. I appreciate that. They will, dude. I mean, well, and and but that's the thing is they they do. My f- I'm very fortunate to, to be in a family with a bunch of people who are very supportive and have a very open dialogue uh, conduit for conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Were you going to say something, Gordo? I thought you were leaning in. I had a really important point to make, and then I totally lost it. <laughs> so sorry. Okay. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to. Well, no, if it comes back, if it comes back, bring it up and, and, and just interrupt me with whatever I'm doing. Just go, I remember what it was. Um, I, I remember what it was. <laughs> what was it? Well, I was just I was going to say that like uh, when my father passed away several years ago it completely redefined reshaped my relationship with my own life right you know? yeah um and made me think differently about you know how proactive i was being about you know my goals and my desires and what i wanted to be doing with my life and it makes you it it it, it just when someone dies it's that close to you it's it, it definitely makes you re reassess your priorities Big time. And, and your and like you were talking about earlier but um but that yeah i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't be sitting here right now if if i hadn't experienced that loss because yeah. that's one of the things that led me to to moving out here and yeah and you know pursuing what i wanted to do and it so. gives it, it it gives significance to the weirdest things that like like you're trying you're running around scrambling trying to find as many memories that you can hold on to and kind of hoard as possible you know what i mean like i've i've been faced with this task of like oh i gotta come up with something to say about my brother 
It's like, oh my god, there's so much I don't know about him. Oh, I feel like such a piece of shit because there's so much I don't know about him and I should have been more involved in his life. So then that became part of the work. Like, all the people I've been getting to speak are like, I got a friend from childhood. I got a friend from middle school. I got a friend from high school. I got a friend from post high school. I got a friend from the hardcore scene. I got, you know, I've talked to friends of his from New York, a woman that he had a one week romance with out in California, like a flash romance that he had. Cool. She wrote me. She's like, hey, you don't know me. No one really does. You know, I don't even know how to put this. I had a I had a fling with your brother and she was like, We only spent a week together and then we stayed in touch over the years, but you know, geographically it just didn't make sense. And, you know, we maintained a friendship and whatnot. We'd send messages to each other on Facebook or whatever. But we spent a week together and your brother was one of the kindest, brightest lights I had I had ever met. That's awesome. He was just such an amazingly sweet and funny great, and man. kind and considerate dude. That's a real gift. And like, that's that's awesome. And she wrote me that and she was like, I hope it's not weird that I'm writing you. And I was like, it is so not weird. Absolutely it is not weird. And like a, another one of his friends told me, he was like, he was like, you know, I was trying to help him out and, and, you know, he was going through what he was going through. But I think you should know that when he went on tour with you, and when your son was born, those were the two biggest things in his life. Like he was so excited and so proud and like it just gave, it brought so much joy into his life. Like his reason for getting out of, the, out of bed in the morning was he wanted to be an uncle and watch his nephew grow up and touring with you like he called me about all the stuff you guys did on tour and he just couldn't shut up about it you know and that tour was kind of rough and i went home i went home disappointed from that tour yeah, just cuz I, I, I recall yeah you know, you remember that about, yeah. i i came home from that tour and i was disappointed in a lot of things and and it, you know it it didn't go as well as i would have liked but now like looking back on it and having all these memories it's like you know, there was some really funny and fun stuff that happened. There was some little moments which I wish had gone better, but but man, like we had never gotten to play together and then we got that chance, you know? And like my dad is super grateful that we did this cruise together a year ago, you know, and, and it was our last family trip together. And we could not have planned it more perfectly if we had had an exact date of knowing where when he was going to go. Yeah. Cuz we we did some stuff together and we we tied some things up. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's good to have those moments of It's good for your soul. Yeah. Yeah. To know your parents as humans and to tie those things up. Yeah, yeah. You know, just the bullshit. Yeah, for sure. You know. It is stuff that's not necessarily bullshit, but the hang-ups, the speed bumps, the the, well, the resentment, the, the, th the thank yous, the I'm sorry's, the yeah, you know. Well, and the, and those just need to happen at times. Yeah, yeah, man. When it, when you know when the time's right, that's so in, in the overall grand scheme of happiness. That's how you obtain that shit. Right. You don't carry it with you. So, um, 
if you were a friend of my brother's, or if you're a friend of mine, or or my family, or you just want to just come by and hang out and pay your respects, uh, we'll be having a celebration of life for my brother Brian Stewart Howell at 5305 South Youngfield Court. That's in Littleton, Colorado. Uh, it's my parents' backyard, so just be cool. My parents are fun. They like to party. It's going to be a, a nice, safe, comfortable, welcoming environment where people can come mourn and grieve and, and freak out and do whatever they need to do. But, you know, be cool, be responsible, be respectful. Uh, as long as you are those things and you, uh, you know, come with a uh, – if you got a good heart, which I think everybody does to just a matter of degree, if you can seek it out, uh, come on by and uh, and join us. It's going to be going down about 2 o'clock. So um, we'll probably follow up with how that went on the next episode. Uh, but we're going to have Sam Talent on here next week. Um, so that, that'll super be an f- in- Super funny guy. It'll be a super funny guy. Sam Talent's great. Uh, Big Willie. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Are you done? I, I, I well, I, I, I think I think th- we're I think, getting close. I think that's a good. I, I mean, think it doesn't matter to me, dude. I don't I'm think enjoying just hanging. I don't think we would be sitting here if you hadn't just been like, just been like, yeah. I mean, we're doing. Uh, are we doing the podcast? I just want to make sure. Well, I see. For me, it's you know how you're talking about responsibilities, right? Like for me, I knew it was in there somewhere. And so the fact that you called me, I was supposed to call you anyway that day. Well, dude, I've I've fallen and off. I have fallen off on all the things that I would normally do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And that's I, why I asked you, are you still doing stuff? You're like, I got to still be doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. I got to keep busy. I got to keep busy. And a lot of a lot of this this event uh, is going to be that. We're going to have, you know, we're going to have um, – Oh, Jeremiah Ludeman from No Bueno and Primary Focus Media. He's, like, bringing a projection screen that we're going to set up. Oh, cool. We're going to run a slideshow, both like, outside and inside. Like a real live old, like, projector slideshow? Yeah, show? yeah. Dude. Well, but, I, I mean, digital. A digital oh, slideshow. Dude, well, I used to do that shit at my grandparents' house. And I'm gonna stand, cool. And I'm going to stand next to it and just saying uh, Joe Cocker's version of a little help from my friends over and over again. Okay. But just the beginning, like the beginning of the Wonder Years. I'm just going to stand next to him and go, what would you do if I sang over and over again? Um, no, but uh, so we're doing that. Uh, you know, my dad's got a pool table and a pinball machine and we're going to have a bar and I'm setting up um, actually this equipment. I'm going to set up to a laptop and an interface so that people can just record memories of my brother. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. And um, we're going to, you know, we're going to have art there and we're going to be auctioning off some of his stuff. We're going to auction off his drum kit. Um, you know, so if anybody's looking to get a new drum kit with sentimental value through the roof and my brother didn't practice very much. So, you know, they're in great shape. Um, <laughs> but that's going to be there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Punch and pie. Punch and pie. Well, whatever anyone brings. Oh yeah. We're kind of encouraging people. Potluck. To, potluck. People, potluck. Potluck. That's right. We're encouraging people to bring stuff that, like, maybe foods that they, like, associate with my brother. So there'll probably be, like, a ton of mac and cheese. Cool. And ice cream and just other foods he wasn't supposed to eat. <laughs> I could dig it. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I think we can call it there. What are we at, Gordo? Probably almost at three hours, aren't we? Uh, we're, we're at 320. 
320. Wow. Yeah. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming and talking with me. Yeah, man. This uh, is especially fun. with the full knowledge that I was going to monopolize at least half of the episode with 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 death and and sadness and and heaviness and those uh, things. I only got four things that are well, five things that are super super important to me. Kelsey, business, band, cars, cats. Cats. Yeah. <laughs> in that order. No, 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 yeah, pretty much. Those are good priorities. I mean, yeah. Hey, you got your values in order, man. That's important. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, y'all, for listening to the motherfucking podcast. This has been episode number 68. Next week, episode number 69, like I said, we're going to have Sam Talent on here. Very, very funny comedian. And they're going to do sexual things. Oh, dude. Uh, oh, man. So Sam Talent roasted us when fourth year changed, when we had that like Viking funeral thing. Oh, dude, that shit was funny. And, that was at Moe's. Dude, and the, the joke. I remember that. Sam Talent was so funny. He ripped the shit out of us. And the one joke I remember making on him is because um, Chuck Roy was there, too. I don't know who that, I'm not familiar with that. Chuck, Chuck Roy is hilarious, too. But they're both, they're both big, furry guys. Okay. And I was like, I was like, um, I was like, Chuck Roy is so fat and hairy that Sam Talent orbits around him. <laughs> that's the only, that's the only one I remember making. That was a fun, that was a fun roast, man. Chuck Roy ripped us a new asshole. I went to one of those local, local nights at Comedy Works, like the fresh meat ones. Yeah. Man, they, they tore these two old ladies apart. A couple juggalos, they made them cry. Oh, dude, it's so good. It was a great time. Man. I, I lo- like, dude, getting roasted is so fun. Oh, That's yeah. another thing, too, is like I am dead set on this thing being a lively occasion. Yeah. You know, because my brother had a sense of humor. Yeah. Like my brother used to keep pieces of cheese on him. So he could throw them at people? No, but oh. what he would do so he invented that? is he would sneak the cheese into people's hands, into their pockets, <laughs> into their That's into their brilliant. effects. That's and brilliant. then when they discovered it and looked at him surprised, he'd go, You've been cheese, son. <laughs> that was my brother. Uh That's we also brilliant. we also had this joke that we would we, if my sister was walking down a hallway. Is she older would, or younger? She's the middle child. Okay. So my sister, and she's the more accomplished of the three. Like, my sister has two master's degree, and she's, like, the dean of students at some high school. Like, Yeah, but has she played fucking rock and roll in Germany? Hell no. No, so, no, but she's done a lot of shit. You've done a lot of shit. Um, Nobody shits better than anybody else's, well, dude. Well, I've made, I've made... On paper, maybe. I've made the joke on here that I came home after she got her second master's, and I went home to Sarah, and I'm like, golly, can you believe it? My sister, two master's degrees. And Sarah goes, yeah, one for each of her deadbeat brothers. <laughs> wow. wow. She's funny. She's the funniest person I know. That, uh, um, you are quite witty. Yeah, she's she's pretty fucking funny, man. But, uh, but yeah, so we would do this thing where, like, if my sister was walking down a hallway, um, one of us would cue up a, a Kenny Loggins song on oh, our geez. cell phone. Oh, Jesus. And we would go into the hallway, and we would block her off from both sides, and we would play Kenny Loggins music and we'd be like oh somebody's trapped in a log jam oh, and we dance man. around to Kenny Loggins and my sister would be just like get out of the way god oh, damn it man. that type of stuff was funny to us you know my brother had, had a sense of humor did y'all ever fart on her pillow you know, I'm, that's dude, a classic old joke my brother has Fart-ed farted on a lot of on things everybody's pillows dude my brother my brother was flatulent obsessed a little bit I think like he had 
He had an obsession with farts. He had an obsession with dick jokes. Because it, it's funny when you're a teenage like, boy. Th- I mentioned I mean, the cruise. It's still funny. I mentioned, but... dude, this is as a grown man. Yeah, I, mentioned, I mentioned the last cruise we were on. They like, you know, every night they try and make it like a fine dining experience. Yeah. But it's all like the same cat food that they're giving to everybody. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> like it's all like country buffet yeah. dressed up yeah. real pretty. Yeah. So they brought out like this, these like tenderloin medallions one night. That sounds pretty good. And they like propped them up on pieces of tomato. Hmm. And uh, my my brother my brother gestures to the tomato propping up the like tenderloin. He goes, "I do the same thing with my penis for aesthetic purposes." And all of us are laughing to the waiter. Just to us. Just to everybody. Just okay. us. He's like, "I do this. I prop my penis up with a tomato that as well." That is so you funny. Know, like, and we're like laughing, and my uncle is just looking at him like, "Really, real nice. Yeah, real nice dinner conversation." You know. Here, here we are. Yeah, oh, that's fun, dude. I the cruise the cruise is fun. Uh, I don't know, getting old's weird. <laughs> Very true on both counts. It's just cruises are cool, and getting old is weird. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I, would, I would agree with that. Well, on that note. Thank you very much to our guest, Andrew Williams from Potato Pirates and Blackout Screen Printing. Um, maybe Hi. we'll just start shouting you out as a sponsor regularly. I thought about, actually, I think I probably have shouted out Blackout Screen Printing before. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, man. I appreciate You do great business. Mm-hmm. I love your stuff. You've printed all of our shirts for many years now. For many years. And um, I appreciate that, Yeah, too. man. And I, I love watching you succeed. And one of, the thi- one of the reasons I keep coming back is it's not even the quality of your work. It's that I mean, it, which is a very high quality. I understand what you're saying, but you know, it's like working with Finley on something. It's like, oh, I want to go see my friend Finley. I better have him do some work for me so we can get together and have a conversation. Well, you don't have to do that. You well, can, you can always just. But we're busy adults, and so Jesus, I get yes, the added are. benefit of when I go to see you to pick up T-shirts, we also get to shoot the shit for a little while. Oh, yeah, dude, definitely. And you and I you and I have, have always... Um, you want one of these Rice Krispies? Yes, treats? I would. I just haven't eaten one yet because I didn't want to mow down on the microphone. Uh, so I'm going to eat a Rice Krispies. Everybody treat. will appreciate it. They can have one with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everybody, uh, thank you for listening for the motherfucking... Listening to the motherfucking podcast. Um, as a one for the homies, shout out this week. We've probably done... Uh, this song before I can't remember it's been a long time but there is one thing for sure I know my brother has been immortalized on and that is the um, Head Trauma EP Uh, they wrote a song about him actually about a time my brother lit himself on fire it's called The Human Torch so Mm. for the one for the homies shout out this week in honor of my baby brother Brian Stuart Howell who I miss very very much Um, we're going to play um, The Human Torch by Head Trauma. So enjoy that and uh, look out for each other and um, man burn the memories of the people that you love into your brain uh, because one day they will be all you have to connect to them. Absolutely. Yeah man. Absolutely. Yeah. Or them to you if you go first which there is a part of me that hopes I go first. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The lot like Basically, if you, like, the longer you survive, the more you're going to have to watch the people you love pass on. Well, you also become more of a liability. Yep. Hey. <laughs> Behind the goddamn wheel, that is. Well, I mean, you figure, like, figure somebody's 
80 to 90, 95 years old, and they're in a wheelchair and, like, you know, it's a lot of – you need help. Yeah, you know? that's true. You're not say you're a liability, but there's – you have circumstances. Right, right. Not like you or I where you and I can – by the graces of the world, we can wake up every day – was still hurting backs and, you know, but still get up and do things. Boy, I think of how bad my back is going to hurt in 40 more years. I know. Holy crap. I just hope they have like a I keep hoping or something like, like Or a like a laser, like a fix everything thing. laser. Uh, that kind of shit scares me. Do you think the fix everything laser, the fix everything chamber will be here? Like Star Wars technology where they put you in a tank and it fixes everything? Yeah, maybe, but I think that they'd run out of business on the medical <laughs> medical side. I think well, they'll just they'll just invent soul grafting so that you can just you can just use a different vessel or download your con- like downloading your consciousness into the singularity like that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Why Maybe not? we're all in the singularity. Maybe we're in the matrix. Maybe I'm sorry. Maybe we're in the Wii universe. Like we're Dude, all just in the Wii. I market. took the black pill. What's the black pill? Charcoal. Oh, remember when Wii's it's like were pumping your stomach? The new thing. mm Hmm. They're not. Now it's like, what an old system. I don't play video games, but they're not. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right. Thanks for listening to the motherfucking podcast. I'm Aaron. Goodbye, everybody. And I'm Andrew. I'm Gordo. Bye, everybody. Treat Bye. each other well. Yep. Yeah, be Bye. good to each other. Don't be a fucking dickhead. Yep. Take care of each other. Bye.
You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. sexy how are you doing it's 7:54 in germany um on my way to work right now to the office and as i woke up as i just woke up i opened my whatsapp and i saw your videos from your band i gave it a listen and to be honest this is so fucking sick hell Never expected this to be so sick. No hate, boy, of course. Um, I thought it would be great, but it's even more than I expected. What the fuck? Keep it going, brother. This is insane. <laughs> 